Hello, and welcome to Oh No, Ross and Carrie, the show where uh, we test claims of the paranormal Par- uh-huh. and pseudoscience. We do that. Yes, sure, for And science. we do it so you don't have to. That's very that close. Sums it up pretty well. All right. <laughs> I'm Ross Blotcher. And I'm, wait, no, you're not Ross Blotcher. <laughs> no, I am I'm not. I'm Ross Blotcher. That's right. I'm Spartacus. <laughs> I'm Jim Newman. I'm standing up. They can't see it. <laughs> okay, so we have Ross Blotcher and... Carrie Poppy. And? And I'm Jim Newman. Welcome, Jim Newman. Thank you. Newman. I'm putting that in now because That's, it would have happened it'll, in the it'll next happen couple more than hours. Once, probably. So Jim was with us through a lot of the Amazing Facts investigations. And you are a real person. We weren't I, making you up. I am a real person. Now tell us, fact. tell us this. Why did you keep coming back for more Amazing Facts? Because you guys were there. Okay. Aww. Really, really. I, I host trivia nights around town at restaurants and bars. He's very good. And one of the players who plays on a team of skeptics came up to me after a trivia show one night with a flyer for the Amazing Facts lectures and said, hey, do you want to go to this? And I said, absolutely. (laughs) And so we went and Ross was there. Uh And it's like, I know why he's here. (laughs) And then the friend who invited me after the first night left and it's like, I can go to four or five of these. That's how long this will last through the weekend. Uh, And Ross and Carrie are going to be there. So that'll be fun. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so that's why I started coming. And then it became like, I have to finish this just because I need to see if I can. A sense of completion. Exactly. Oh, we appreciate that. And And it was fun hanging out with you guys. And you reminded me about halfway through that at the beginning, you were like, Carrie, this is so boring. And I was like, this isn't boring. Jim, what are you talking about? And then (laughs) by the end of it, I was like, this is so boring. I, I remember boring I remember halfway through, we had just moved to the church, and I sat down next to you, and they started talking, and you started rolling your eyes, and I'm like, what? And it's like, I'm so bored. And I'm like, yes, I won. <laughs> I was right. It is boring. <laughs> yeah, I guess it took me a while. But at the beginning, I was- I am still thoroughly entertained by all of it. <laughs> I mean, I, I kept coming back, and I was entertained, but it was very repetitious. Uh-huh. Yes. And it was a lot of stuff that I'd heard before, even though I don't have the sort of evangelical backgrounds that you do. Uh-huh. I do enjoy watching the Trinity Broadcast Network and, yeah. and that oh, type of thing. That so, stuff's great. I could watch that all day. So yeah, I kind have of people. heard a lot of this stuff before. So I was hoping that it was going to be more exciting than it was. I know that you guys have talked about the bait and switching. They made it seem like it was going to be very exciting sometimes. Yeah. And then <laughs> well, we rarely get to the delivered. exciting stuff today. Okay. Yeah. I think. We've already told you about 20 lectures total so far that we've covered. Do you believe that? And it was still going when we came into the final week, essentially, of the original lectures. So we're going to kind of tag team here and tell what we got from those final lectures. But we didn't get to go to them all. I think there were 25 total, I want to say. Well, one of the three of us was at each of them. Okay. I don't think there was a single lecture where none of us were there. Now I have right, we did it. I have here, this will help us. Now this was the actual title of the whole series, Cracking the Prophetic Code with David Stewart. And so he made a DVD box set where you could buy all of his lectures on DVD. So when he would send us the YouTube links for lectures that we had missed, they were essentially just recorded versions of these presentations. 
And so there's 27 total talks listed here. Mm -hmm. And I noticed he changed some of the order and he must have taken a couple out, I guess. Or condense them or condense two them. into one or something. Well, kudos to him for condensing something. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so this was on sale for a mere one hundred thirty nine dollars. Oh my god! And so I brought cash. I paid for the whole thing. My word. On my penultimate night there, so I am now the proud owner of all of these lectures, and I will watch every single one that I missed. It's good to be proud about something. Mm-hmm. Now you bought it, or your listeners bought it. Well, I bought it. Okay. I mean, <laughs> yeah. No, he bought it. I just. <laughs> No, he bought it. I, I just, I, he asked me if I wanted to go in on it, right. and I was like, no. So, all right, it's all on me. I, I'll get that's, it. That's yours. I, I, I kind of wanted to support him after all this. Mm-hmm. Not just kind of, I, I wanted to. The reason I asked is that I want your listeners to know where their donations are going when they mm-hmm. contribute mm-hmm. to the show. Sure. And that you guys work really hard on oh, this thank show. You. Thank you. I'm, I was shocked by you know the intense note-taking that was happening and <laughs> that you're... Because I thought when you first started doing the show, it's like, no, I can do that. That's easy. You just show up and then you talk about what it was. But now we're a month or so removed from having done it. And I I have forgotten almost everything that happened. Ah, Welcome to our world. But you guys have done the work. And I know that there are probably investigations where you can't be obviously taking notes the entire Uh time. Then we try to collect our thoughts thereafter. Immediately after, yeah. But a lot of work goes into the show that I think most people, including myself until this, did not realize. Oh, thank you. you. That's very sweet. And surely I don't separate my funds so clearly. I'd say you listeners did help me buy these DVDs. Sure, because you keep our jobs intact. So thank you all. I also like how if you looked at the front of that and took the lettering off, it could just be like a zoo DVD because there's just a bunch of animals on the front. Yeah. Or like Chronicles of Narnia. Maybe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We've got the lion and the bear with the ribs in its mouth. Well, now we've got like a four-headed jaguar with four wings and a dinosaur in the background. So that'd be one weird zoo. <laughs> oh, I didn't see the dinosaur. Oh, I want to mention before we get into our next seminars, in our last episode, we mentioned how David said that the letters on the Pope's miter add up to 666. Yes. And someone pointed out, well, also, if you count up the letters in Ellen G. White. Ellen Gould White, you spell her name out. And then you make the W into two Vs. A W, yeah. Right? Then that also spells 666. It adds up to 666, yeah. Which has been pointed out by others, and the Seventh-day Adventist official response is, yes, but she's a woman, and it's the number of man, (laughs) so it doesn't count. Now, in my notes, on the very day, I wrote, Ellen G. White is the Seventh-day Adventist founder. See if her name adds up to 666. Bam! I'm a genius. It did. Bam. Carrie suspected that that might be the case. I'm very smart. (laughs) Shall we talk about the next seminar and series? Let's keep going. So after I was a newly minted vegetarian, I came back the next day. And so this was lecture 21 in the series. You and I were there, Jim. Okay. Trust him, <laughs> I, I accept you that. <laughs> I think the crowds were kind of dwindling toward the end. I think we were getting fewer and fewer people. We were at about 47 people, I counted, when we really got going. And just to review, we all have picked up that, like, this is obviously... They're trying to sell us on Seventh-day Adventism, but they refuse to tell us that that's the case. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. You you went to David and you wanted that clarified. Yeah, I was like, hello, you are obviously trying to sell us Seventh-day Adventism. And he was like, no, no, don't know what you mean. <laughs> this is a big point for Carrie. Yeah. So we get there, they do their questions and they pull out of the hat and they call upon Carrie Poppy. 
she won a prize. Oh, that's right. And I text- I had wanted one so much this whole time. I was like, finally, it's going to happen because I, like the odds were so in my favor. And one day she can't be there and you win. I won and I wasn't there. And the rules were that you had to be there. So some- and even you were there and they still wouldn't give it to you for me. Nope. Some other lady won a vegetarian cookbook. What? Yeah. That's what it was? Yeah. I'm sorry oh, to tell on. you. Isn't that terrible? That's awful. Well, maybe she wasn't a vegetarian, and then she took it home, and then she started cooking vegetarian, and now her life has changed. Oh, I hope. (laughs) Fuck that lady. Maybe. Because there were Seventh-day Adventists there who were not vegetarians. Good. Yeah. I mean, We witnessed that. Yeah. Well, at one time at lunch, some people motioned me over secretively and said, are you vegetarian? And I said, no. Like, we have chicken. And (gasps) it was, they, they were sitting at the head table. They were ready to um, induct you into their secret they, yes. enclave. There was another weird instance of this kind of strange auto response happening because Dave got out and asked everybody, how are you doing tonight? And two ladies right in front of me said in unison, okay, by God's grace. Whoa. Yeah, whoa, whoa, what? And like, that's love what, is the law, love under will. <laughs> yeah, that's where you expect their heads to slowly swivel in unison like 180 <laughs> degrees. Whoa. Nina sang How Beautiful, which is really good. And Dave had her sing that at their wedding. And I learned that they got married when he was 47. Ah, and he's 50 now. By the way, where is Nina from? Then Ukraine. Let me just, oh, She's the from Ukraine? Ukraine. Okay. <laughs> so this lecture was called Revelations to Women, which again sounds really exciting. But immediately we're talking about the church and how in the Bible, when they talk about a woman, that represents a church or the church. Huh, you'd think it represented two women, but okay. Nope. And one of those women is a harlot, right? Mm. Yeah, you got it. Which should make it even more exciting. Right. It's really not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, one is the church, and that's a bride to Christ. They introduce this woman in Revelation that comes down, and she's dressed in white. They started making this whole big thing about how like, she's described as being cloaked with the sun and being upon the moon or something like that. And they're like, well, is that the real sun? Is that the actual moon? Oh, right. No. In that tone, so we know to say no. Exactly. And so we get all these Bible verses telling us that the sun symbolizes righteousness. Okay. And I wrote in my notes, weak, because I think the connection here is weak because they're looking at Malachi and Psalm. And then the moon is something that lasts forever, a faithful witness. What? Okay. And I wrote in my notes, oh, now forever actually means forever. Exactly. <laughs> apparently. I think we both looked at each other. Yes. We were quite indignant. Oh, this was weird. There was this whole note about how Hosea the prophet married a prostitute. Did Got- she represent something that time? Yes. He was told <sighs> to take a wife of whoredom, so he marries Gomer. And she bore him a son. Gomer? Yep. A woman named Gomer? Yep. My goodness. Well, there's also a woman named Dorcas in the Bible. Yeah, I know, but I'm over that. I've (laughs) heard that since I was a kid. All right. Gomer? She even cheated on him. Like Gomer Pyle? Well, I think she came before Gomer Pyle. Still. He might have been named after her. Yeah, maybe. So the message to the Jews here was that I still love you, whores. Because you're unfaithful to me, but Uh, I still marry uh you and take care of you. I think maybe Hosea just had something for a prostitute. Well, he was told to marry one. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And I've resisted all my Gomer Pyle trivia. I appreciate it. It would really go off the rails. Jim has an impressive amount of trivia stored in that cranium of his that we are looking at right now. Wow. Jim does trivia for King Trivia, a local organization. Yes. Dot com. Dot com. Yeah. A local organization dot com. If you're anywhere near Los Angeles, do check it out. Like they're every night at different locations. And my family and I go on Tuesdays and Jim 
host oh. of trivia. Yes. And Ross's team does exceedingly well. Jim has a really cool story about all his trivia. And he comes from this town that has this annual trivia contest that's crazy. Cool. Do you appear in the in the documentary? I am in the documentary. Okay, everybody see Trivia Town. Trivia Town, the movie. Okay. And you'll see Jim. Okay. I'm also quoted in Ken Jennings' first book. Oh. What? The Big Jeopardy champ, yeah. Ken Jennings is my favorite tweeter. He's a really good tweeter. Okay. Your favorite out of all the tweeters? Yeah, he's the best tweeter. He's that's, very, very funny. That's a big accolade. Followed probably by Michael Ian Black. Best tweeters. Anyway, what happens in the Bible? <laughs> so they talk about, There's a filthy woman wearing purple... <laughs> For royalty and red for sins. Okay. What does this all represent, though? Like, what's the point? Oh, goodness. It's a church. Okay. So they're a church. She's the bad church that okay. represents royalty and the state. Okay. And a state-run church. Yeah. They go back and forth between the good lady and the bad one. So this is all very confusing. But oh, no. the good lady, I think, is the one that has 12 stars around her head. Yes. Because there are 12 tribes and apostles ah and then there is a war between the woman and the dragon okay i like this so the woman in white she has a child and the dragon wants to eat it but we are told by dave that this is not mary because did mary walk on the moon no good did she live for 1260 years no so this is the church that's the white woman which did literally walk on the moon what are you trying to tell me dave <laughs> no that's metaphorical now Carrie. yeah what so mary didn't literally walk on the moon but the church did literally wa- stop. what are you trying stop to looking say for consistency uh, you're ruining dave. the story <laughs> Dave. Yeah, so the woman has to hide because the beast or the Catholic Church was persecuting her. Hang on. Did we did you discuss in a previous episode 17 1798? Yeah, the crippling defeat of the Catholic Church that yeah. we all remember. Yes. Yeah, we did. Okay. Yeah, no one remembers that because the Catholic Church was not in any way crippled. No. Mm-hmm. And there were many other instances where it was much closer to being crippled. At one time there were two popes. There oh, was that's one in France true. and there was one in Rome. And World War II in Italy with Mussolini and that, you know, there were all sorts of other things where just the Reformation period would be a much bigger blow to Catholicism. But it didn't fall within the prophecy. Or you think just like modern day secularization would be a bigger threat. Just the fact that there are fewer and fewer religious people. No one really gives like that much credence. Right. But that's not specifically anti-Catholic. But I mean, if you're thinking of it as like this world power that's as powerful as nation states. Right. It's a big deal. But I think that the Reformation is more directly. Yeah more specifically in the face of Catholicism. Mm -hmm. So then he goes into a recounting of church history and the idea is to point to all these important faith fathers. And and I think the main goal of this evening was he was trying to show why there are so many different churches. And each of those faith leaders like John Calvin and Martin Luther and John Wesley, William Miller, all of them were important innovators or made important contributions along the way. The idea was that the church progression keeps going on, you're supposed to move on to the remnant church eventually. So we learned the identifying characteristics of the remnant church. So of course, it has to arise after 1798. Obviously. And obviously, like if Jesus wanted his true church to emerge and be obvious, he'd be like, let's have it emerge almost 2000 years after my death. That's going to make it really clear that this is my true church. Yeah, everybody else will kind of have it right, but not really. Right. Because I didn't write the Bible clearly enough. Yeah. 
Number two, they will keep God's commandments. Mm. Number three, they will keep the seventh day Sabbath. That seems critical. That should be like 2A because mm-hmm. that's one of God's commandments. But when you name your church after it, it's kind of a separate point. Mm-hmm. That's so. funny you should say that though, Jim, because in this book that they gave me, The Search for the True Church, it says... Some feel the distinctive name of the organization will set it apart as the right one, but obviously this could be no accurate test because the choice of a name would reveal nothing about the spiritual nature of the church. Well, (laughs) that seems contradictory. It does, especially if the spiritual nature of the church is that they celebrate the Sabbath on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Do as I say, not as I do. Nope, they gave this to me. One of the leading questions here within point number three, let's see if you can get this right, Carrie. Is traditional marriage under attack? Yes. Correct. Yes, it is. Number four, the remnant church will have the testimony of Jesus. And number five, they will have a prophet. Oh, and number six, they will be proclaiming the judgment, our message, and warning people about the mark of the beast. I love how they just make up this list that perfectly describes themselves. Right, right. So what church is teaching the three angels' message? Oh, yeah, I guess the verses were from three angels in Revelation. Anyways, it's the Seventh-day Adventist church. So this is a very clear promotion of we are the correct remnant church. Right, without saying it because they but refuse Carrie to say it. Carrie wants it way more explicit than that. I, yeah. I think it's pretty clear to everybody there. But Carrie it's wants clear it to me too. on the nose. It's obviously what they're saying, but he still refuses to say it. Well, you were there, Jim. But both of you guess, what is the fastest growing church in the U.S.? <laughs> it's Scientology, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's what I always hear. You know, actually, Reza Aslan said on his show that it was Scientology. No. Oh, yeah. Reza, come on. Just repeating their claims. How embarrassingly bad. Yeah. It anyway. seems every church has some way of doing the math so that they are the fastest growing church. Sure. I always hear that non-belief is the fastest growing segment of Uh belief, essentially. Well, if you have only two people in your church and you get two more, you've doubled. That's true. He does say here that our seminars are designed to reach out to people of all faiths and no faith. We love a variety, don't we, Gil? So that was cool. (laughs) Yes, Yes. sir. I felt very accepted at that point. And they were accepting. Absolutely. Because I said that I was not a believer, and they uh-huh. seemed perfectly fine with that and still wanted me to stay and eat with them. And yeah. I, and I said that early on. I didn't. It's a low bar, though, isn't it? You didn't physically kick us out. No, but they embraced but, uh, us. Nor and did they make me feel us. unwelcome yeah. in any way. But I mean, I've never had that experience. Have you? I've certainly felt the sting of people, you know, feeling uncomfortable not knowing how to talk to me because I'm a non believer. I, I think they did a remarkably good job of. I mean, I thought they were very, very nice, but I've never felt like, oh, they're going to kick me out. I feel like in general, religious people are super nice to me. And I guess I guess I felt that they did not behave in a different way with me. Uh, I think that most people is like, oh, this is a non-believer, So this Mm -hmm. is how we behave. And I didn't get that sense that they were turning something on Uh and off. That's good. There was this very nice message then about how we've really relied upon other Christians to bring us this far, our faith grandparents, so to speak. And then he asks us to consider joining this movement. So they call for us to become Seventh-day Adventists. And then they passed out these My Decision for Christ cards while the piano music emotionally played on. And I know I motioned no to the usher, but I think I still ended up with one somehow. I can't remember how that happened. But yeah, there was another kind of awkward call to commit oneself to belief. David then said a prayer, and I felt this was a little bit to us, these people who were new and they were hoping would really sign these cards and were clearly not interested. And so he was saying in his prayer that, you know, some are still in the valley of decision. 
but only once comes to every man and nation the moment to choose the truth. So a little bit of, I don't know. And then a big pause. Guilt tripping or, uh-huh. yeah, just trying to really push upon us. Like, this is important. Please yeah. fill out this card. Aww. Lowell came up and he had a very sweet confession. He said, I've got to say I'm not missing the Holiday Inn, but I'm already starting to miss all of you. Aww. We need you more than you need us. It was very sweet. Oh, that's very sweet. Sweet guy. And that was it for Monday evening. So I went back for the next lecture, which was on a Thursday, and it was my last lecture. Oh, Ross. And you were by yourself? It was me alone, and uh, I had to leave for a ski trip the next day. Sorry, everybody. You ski? I'm hitting the slopes. I love to ski. I didn't know that. I don't don't get to very often, so all the more reason. I got to go ski. Do you do that like side thing, or it's like swish, 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 swish? I guess so. You, you kind of have to, don't you? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anything about skiing. But that's what looks so cool about it is like how people can put their weight to the one side while their whole body's on the other side. And then they put the weight to the other side while their whole body's on the other side. And then the <laughs> swish, swish, You are swish, describing swish. the basic mechanism of skiing, <laughs> which is how I avoid hitting trees. So oh, yes, wow. I do that. Oh, wow. Very neat. Good job. <laughs> this was Thursday, February 2nd. Groundhog Day. At 7.03, I got there a little late, but there were only 11 people there. Uh-huh. They kept thinking about you know, what could be keeping everybody. Well, you know, let's let's wait a little longer. So we waited until we got about 36 people. But again, this is a major drop. Oh, wow. Yeah. From the last one. So we're really starting to see the, the crowd come down. So Gil gets up and he's excited. He says, I'm absolutely <laughs> invigorated, even exhilarated. I'm multisyllabic. <laughs> Aww, Gil. That was pretty great. Yeah. So he asked us all the questions and everything. They gave out some special gifts and promised some more that were coming up. Dave came up and he said, have I ever made you uncomfortable? And one lady shouted out from the front row, you talk too much. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. And and he kind of recoiled physically and said, oh, well, uh, shall I not tell the truth? Sometimes you need to hear the truth. And uh, so he tried to diffuse this and he asked us all, does this feel like the fifth weekend? And we all nodded. (laughs) The audience was clearly all in one accord there. Ask an awkward question. Get an awkward answer. (laughs) So this lecture was called Cleansed from the Inside Out. And Dave almost apologized. He said, I don't always like preaching this one. It's really hard to confront your friends. And we're all friends, right? Mm. So I'll try to use rubber bullets. Please do the same for me. Just know this is coming from a heart of kindness. So he's Jeez. really gearing us up for Yikes. this tough message. Oh, I he's going to hear what it is. I really he's, don't know. He's saying, I'm not any holier than thou. We all have struggles and there is room to grow. Okay. So what, oh what, what are you thinking is coming? Something about us all being sinners. Mm-hmm. And... So he goes through a bunch of Bible verses, blessed are the pure in heart, we are the ambassadors for Christ. Then he starts going through like various examples of pop culture figures. I don't know, he had like a Frank Zappa reference playing I'm the Slime, oozing out from your TV set. And this was supposed to be some kind of proof that he had admitted that he's trying to corrupt you. Anton LaVey was quoted as saying that a TV set is the satanic family altar. Whoa. And then he broke down the word entertainment. Enter means go in. Oh, no. Tain means to hold. Oh, boy. And meant 
something about going inside of you in your mind or something like that. Mm. And then he quoted Spielberg, all film is manipulation. Okay, so this is where he was starting to say that <laughs> all of these uh, famous people, he was quoting them as saying things that were essentially them saying like, oh, I really got in the zone when I was acting. But he, oh, right. he was making the case that they were truly like, filled with spirits. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Like in a fugue state. Yeah, Denzel Washington prayed to be used by spirits. Uh-huh. And Denzel Washington is like a totally committed Christian. Uh-huh. Oprah Winfrey said that she would empty herself and let the spirit inhabit me. And there's all these ellipses there, so who knows what words they uh-huh. took out. Robin Williams was not a happy person and said something that made Dave think that he was possessed when oh, he was geez. acting. Oh, jeez. Come on. Suicide victim. Uh, apparently, Keanu Reeves is a complex guy with lots of demons in him. Starred in a famous Christian film. What's that one? Isn't the Matrix like famously a Christian allegory? I mean, it can be used that way, but I don't think the Wachowski siblings. Were oh, I mean, like the churches use that a lot oh, as like a. Because he's the one. He's the chosen one. Uh, yeah. Interesting. It seems like pretty thinly veiled Christ allegory to me, but maybe that's because I grew up in the church. And the church says that that's good or that it's bad. I can't. Good. S- okay. I can't see the church encouraging people to go watch something with people in trench coats shooting up. Right. Bank. Oh, they showed it to us all the time. Whoa. The Matrix was like huge at church. Church. Really? Oh yeah, no, it was shown like cool all church. over. Yeah, like and in college, like at Christian youth group and stuff. People loved The Matrix. Okay. It was just accepted as a Christian movie. Interesting, because I feel like it was borrowing from so many faith traditions. Mm. Interesting. So Johnny Depp is on the on the train with all of the other possessed people. Peter Sellers. And then he shares that Dr. John Nelson says 95% of studies show that TV increases violence. Mm, Don't know about that. The average American (laughs) watches over four hours of TV per day. So, okay, TV's bad. Kids are bombarded with sex scenes. That's bad. So is this whole thing just about how TV, we shouldn't watch TV? That was a big part of it. Again, he's convicting us of all these things that are making us impure, essentially. Dave says that even he got really hooked on General Hospital. He says they just they take too long to build up to their point, which I thought was hilarious (laughs) coming from Dave. He got the irony. He said, why do you all seem to know what I'm talking about? So we all had a good laugh at that. He even seemed to suggest that his parents broke up because of the influence of television in their lives. Wow. Oh, he talks about Harry Potter, who has a wand from the holly tree. And he uses it. People are like. They're what Christians are always trying to prove they're not. Like, they're always like, oh, I know you probably think I like, I'm not cool. And like, but I watch movies. Come on. I like all the things you like. I'm into TV. I'm into Harry Potter. These guys are like, no, I don't watch TV. I don't like Harry Potter. You're right. I don't like jewelry. They're all those things. Yeah, because they're about purity. Yeah. They made some point about how, and Harry Potter uses his wand to put people asleep. So that's very much like what TV does. And come on, that's just. (laughs) What? That's one of the very few of many spells in the Harry Potter world. And I'm not sure Harry Potter himself ever even uses that one. And I think. Most TV is trying to not put you to sleep. sleep. So you'll watch the TV. Exactly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fair point. Dave does tell us at this point about Little Light Studios, which belong to some friends of his, and they're trying to do some work to help spread God's message through high-quality Hollywood films. I just watched one of their things on YouTube. They did a video about how Nickelodeon is selling sex to kids, and it was very moving, very compelling. It showed one clip 
of some kids having a slumber party and one of the kids is dropped off by his two dads. The two dads drop the kid off and they're like, okay, Kyle, uh, we're gonna miss you so much. Here's a, here's a beeper to get in touch with us. And oh, our little kid's growing up so much. And over the sweet scene, they're playing this music that's like, Bum, 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 just to let you know how to feel about it. But nothing about this is ominous. It's like the sweetest scene in the world. And that's it. Amazing. They're working on their complete Battlefield Hollywood package to fight this corruption in Hollywood. So yeah, video games, kids play them 13 hours a week. That makes them more aggressive. We were taught a verse, which I remember was a big deal at my school. I had a t-shirt that said this, Philippians 4, 8. Whatever is true, whatever is honest, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, a good report. If it has any virtue or is of any praise, think, think on, on these, these things. things. Exactly. Remember that one, Jim? I don't. Hmm. Oh yeah, that, that was an important one. I Love Lucy. <gasps> What's wrong with I Love Lucy? It's a bad example of honoring marriage. Oh, well, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Is it because the women are treated very badly and it's very racist? No, just it's a bad example of honoring marriage. Oh, of honoring marriage. Oh, because she doesn't submit to him? Maybe. Oh, yeah, great. That, that and they did great, get great, divorced. Great. Well, not in the show. No. But the actors, yeah. They even, they go whole hog. They go for rock and roll being 99% sex. That's a quote from John Hall of Hall & Oates. Great. They quote Mick Jagger about him seeing the music as sexual. That's where the term rock of rock and roll comes from. It's a sexual reference in and of itself. Because of testicles? Well, I don't know, because you're rocking rock? and rolling. Think, yeah, rocking and rolling, I think. the When the van is rocking, don't come knocking? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Is that true? I think so. Okay. I, but that's... I thought they were just reading into it, but sure. He recommended that we go to shepherdscall.com. They have DVDs called The Distraction Dilemma, so a little shout out on our show for that. <laughs> <laughs> I have not... Maybe they can sponsor. I can't vouch for it. I haven't checked it out. <laughs> yeah. Then we talk about women in modest apparel in First Great. Timothy. Here's a quote. It's hard to speak to your hearts when all I see is the parts. <laughs> <laughs> What? Carrie almost spit water. (laughs) That was very good timing. It's hard to speak to your hearts. I heard it. Okay. (laughs) Uh, uh, What? Yeah. Cool. Was that just, that was the whole lesson there? Yeah. Well, that was just kind of the introduction of why women need to dress Mm. chastely because our Mm -hmm. men's eyes will be distracted. By their parts. Have you guys heard of the phenomenon of bouncing your eyes? No. This is one I think that arose in Christianity after I left, but I've now read articles on this. It's this whole self-flagellation that like men apply to themselves within church, not literally, but where they teach themselves whenever you see a hot woman, immediately just bounce your eyes off of her. Like if you're at all attracted, just boom, like. Uh Look somewhere else and don't pay attention to her. Wow. Because you just don't want to have that temptation. I mean, it's better than forcing her to wear, you know, like a complete body covering. Right. Sure. Yes. Step in the right direction. Yeah. I'm just picturing everyone like walking into walls. And so he's telling women and all of us, am I my brother's keeper? Yes, we all are. We need to help each other not to be a stumbling block to the weak. Okay, last page. The last one. And then and it's filled with writing. This is not a few sentences on the last page. No, no. And there are no lines on this. I'll have to scan some pages from my notebook. But yeah, I'm on page 54 of my notes. This is my last day, my last page of notes. Here we get to the meat of it. First Peter 3, 3 and 4. We should not be focused on adornment or apparel. Mm-hmm. And so he does point out that the high priest has gems on his, was it ephod? I don't know. I've never heard that word. It's a, the breastplate. The, yeah, the robe that he wore, right. And then he had like these 12 gems representing the tribes. Anyways, those all had significances. So those aren't bad. 
God commanded those. Mm. His next phrase was, who am I to adorn myself when Jesus wore a crown of thorns? Whoa. Yeah, Jesus wore very little. Which is weird because that was just like a mocking thing given him from someone else. But yeah, good point. true. Jesus did not wear gold chains. If you want to look at Jesus's heart, you're going to be distracted by his parts. They would, <laughs> they would have mentioned the gold chains, I think, if he had them. Genesis 35 says, put away jewelry and strange gods. Exodus 33 says... This is so confusing, though. It's like, are you supposed to cover up your body with adornments or are you supposed to take the adornments off? Oh, no, you cover yourself <sighs> up with modest linen clothing. Linen specifically? I don't know. It just sounded oh. good. Okay. <laughs> because a- he was always well dressed. And she, his wife, it's always seemed very well dressed. She me. was well dressed, but she wore like first lady yeah. type outfits yes. that made her look dress. like a stained glass window. Uh-huh. You know, with like heavy piping right. around, like outlining it's very every scene. <laughs> yep. That she, made me she's think- a heavily piped woman. It made me think only of her heart. Mm-hmm. Not of her parts. Not yes. of her parts. So we see in Exodus that the Israelites strip themselves of ornaments. In Isaiah, God will smite haughty women. But haughty, right? Haughty. H-A-U. Yeah, not haughties. Yeah. Good distinction. <laughs> that would be great, though, if that were in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> All these haughty women. It's the haughty and the naughty. <laughs> yeah, so essentially he tells us in all these different ways that we're not to have this kind of adornment. He kind of shamed a pastor friend of his who had a gold Rolex watch and uh, oh, wow. remembers friends bragging about the cost of their engagement rings. Yeah, he was definitely convicting women. You could see a few women kind of like, oh, looking nervously at their, mm. their hands because I think a couple did have rings on. He even said that women have cried after this particular sermon and brought him their rings like tried to give him their wedding ah, rings. what does he do i wrote he doesn't say what he did with it <laughs> <laughs> he melts them into a golden can yeah yeah he could run like a peter popoff level scam with those totally uh, and he said that wedding rings come from paganism so really that's the end of the argument for oh, me right paganism that's all bad famed paganism we learn that god has jewels you and me were his jewels we also learn that money is the root of all evil of course that one had to come up at some point did we learn earlier that god loves jewelry though Oh, now that you say that, that does sound familiar. Wait, why would God love jewelry? Well, there's a lot of jewelry in heaven, I guess. There's a lot of jewels Oh, okay. And yes, I, you're right. That did come up as a point, and there's transparent right. gold Right, and, and I think you even mentioned it on an earlier. Yeah, that's right. God loves jewels. Yeah. But I guess- But not on you. Not on you. <laughs> uh-huh. It's so weird, though. There's nothing about like seeing a woman wearing earrings. I know. That's what's so strange. There's another part of the Bible where it says not to braid your hair as if you are walking around going like, ooh, look at her braided hair. Oh, man, that yeah, gets me going. Exactly. And then they talk about perfume as well. Of course, that's another adornment that uh, they are to abstain from. I guess back in the day, that's what you had. Well, and back in the day, you, you had smelled. to have it. <laughs> yeah. You smelled like doo-doo. You gave me a little booklet after this, Ross, about jewelry, and I read it. And Good. it persuaded me, and, and I no I... longer wear it ever. Good. That's not true. It is true that you gave it to me. It is true that I read it. It's not true about me not wearing jewelry. This was one of those things like the Mormons telling me not to drink coffee that was just abundantly easy for me because I don't wear any kind of jewelry. Uh, I don't have tattoos. Oh, yeah. They're very anti-tattoo as well, of course. And The uh, Mormons or the Seventh-day Adventists? Seventh-day Adventists. 
Oh, are they? Yeah. Oh, Why? yes. Because the Bible says not to make tattooing marks on yourself. Oh, right. Pesky Bible. Uh, we are also encouraged to attend church. And in the previous lecture, he was also really emphasizing that we shouldn't choose our churches for convenience or where our friends are, what's near to us. Of course, there are more important considerations for church. And then he talks about how football was an idol for him and how we really need to oh, worry about Dave. idol worship. And he even points that fanatic shortens to fan. What? Yes, of course it shortens to fan. <laughs> That's, That's where, where the word, word comes yeah. from. Yeah, and then he like goes off. About, it also shortens to addicts, so don't go in addicts. He also goes off on how like football players get injured and how it's just a bad thing in general. <laughs> what? So don't waste your time watching ESPN. I feel like Dave is giving himself OCD. Yeah. You know, like he's just like becoming obsessive about Willfully. like every little thing. Yeah, you know, just like, oh, well, maybe that's bad. Well, maybe that's bad. Ah! Like, well, that's you know. what extreme religion does, right? That's yeah. what it's good at, making otherwise normal people really obsessive yeah. about little details like that. Exactly. That was pretty much the end of it. So he prayed and he said he hopes that he hasn't offended any of us and hopes that all of this helps us to be better witnesses. Well, it's very nice. Yeah. And yeah, that, that was it for my experience at the lectures themselves. So you guys have to take it from here. All right, Ross. Well, after your sad departure, I went back and this was February 3rd. Jim was there. I was. I remember that because... She just pointed at him and reminded me of Wizard of Oz. You were there. And you were there. And you were there. I remember you were there because I had forgotten my notebook and I had to write on these offering envelopes. And I remember you giving me a look like, really, Carrie? Because <laughs> <laughs> people are supposed to put money in these. <laughs> and I was taking all of them and writing notes on them like a professional. I suspect that that is the look I gave you, but it was mixed with, I'd be doing the same thing if mm, I were her. Sure. Maybe it was like, really, Carrie? Good job. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it started out with Dave saying, does it seem like we've been together five weeks? No, it's like I just met you. <laughs> it wasn't like that, you guys. It was not. No, it had been a very long time. <laughs> and it time. should be longer for him because we all live fairly close by and he was staying in a camper in Malibu. Yeah. And commuting in to do these. Yeah. I've got to say I'm impressed because he does this over and over. Essentially, he finishes one of these, he moves to the next town yeah. and starts all over again. It would all run together in my head. Mm. Me too. But he mm -hmm. did stick around for a few weeks after. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Before he was on to another True. assignment. Yeah. 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 It seems like a pretty sweet life. Living in a yeah. camper? <laughs> so you say living with, in a camper i say living in a camper with, with a baby with a baby okay <laughs> this is no, my beautiful right. life I want the baby this is part. my beautiful house this is my beautiful house are we uh, we're doing the talking heads by. right yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> anyway and, and we don't get to live in malibu and he does exactly there for you a little go. bit mm -hmm. all right uh, but he made sure we knew that he only was staying there because it was the closest place he could park his enormous camper i'm still gonna chalk up one for dave right here for what for living in malibu yeah okay yeah yeah, oh, yeah. and i don't believe that he couldn't have parked someplace closer yeah i know me <laughs> i don't believe that and i was like it sounds like your camper's huge if you could only find one place like yes. maybe your camper is just enormous and beautiful he hauls it with a truck <laughs> and both of which somebody donated to yes. him right i'm gonna chalk up another one for dave right there <laughs> okay. <laughs> beautiful wife, beautiful baby, oh, oh, three, chalk. four, yep. Chalk. <laughs> okay. But then this woman shouts out, tomorrow's the final day. Oh, and I'm like, who are you? <laughs> what world do you live in? So Nina gets up and sings America the Beautiful. Aww. And then she says, you know, I'm from the Ukraine. <laughs> As I'm sure you know, since David has told you plenty of times. <laughs> but she said she wanted to come to America 
where you can go to any church you want. I wonder how they met. I think he said they met at her church. They were set up by friends oh, through okay. Facebook. Oh, through Facebook. Yeah. Oh, An okay. arranged marriage. It was not arranged. <laughs> Arra arranged in the informal sense. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay, so then David gets up and he says, I love America, or at least what it stood for in the past. <laughs> wow. Whoa. Is this a story that Nina told about going to school? I don't have that here. What was, what was her story I, about that? I don't know if this sounds familiar mm -hmm. to you. No. Nina once got up and talked about growing up in Ukraine. She's from Ukraine, you know. Oh, Nina is? Yes. Oh, okay. And she was there as a little girl when it was still part of the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. What is it now? Ukraine. Oh, okay. Oh, Ukraine. Yeah, that's where she's from. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. That is where she's from. She would get in trouble in school because she was a Seventh-day Adventist oh. and had to go to services on Saturday and, and take Saturday off. And apparently they go to school in the Soviet Union on Saturday. Oh, well, wow. That should be illegal. They need a national she had Sunday one, law. She had an absence every single week. Oh, wow. And <sighs> the oh, yeah, school administration came down on her. When she was, you know, six or seven for doing this. And, oh, my goodness. Oh, what a position to be in as a kid. And yeah. the other kids made fun of her. And, Aww. you know, it's an atheist state. Right, right. Was, I don't know if that sounds familiar. No, but, it doesn't. I think that was another day, but that's okay. uh, tragic. But yeah. she, yes. I found out later from Dave that, that she drifted away from the church and then back to the church. Okay. And that she has a very interesting story that, uh, that we never got to hear. Yeah, I mean, that would be to enough to make me want to move to America and get yes. religious freedom, for sure. Yeah, And not have to go to school on Saturday. And interesting yeah. to know that he didn't convert her to Seventh-day Adventism. Right. That's something. That no, they were, both, they were both mm -hmm. in the church when they met. They had that okay. in common. But they did not meet in the church. All right. So David says, when the church and state unite, you end up with persecution. Mm -hmm. The church should stay out of political matters to advance its agenda. Okay. I'm with you. All right. I'm chalking up another one for Dave. Yeah. Sounds great. It says, always follow the law unless it conflicts with God's law. Okay. Half with mm. you. Okay. Um, how are we going to know what God's law is? This is getting a little murkier. Yeah. This point comes up for me later in something we'll talk about. Right. Okay. So then we start talking about randomly about the second beast of Revelation 13 because, you know, we need to go into- I'm sure there was a transition there. Uh, well, yes, but you know, it's always just like, let's look into scripture and mm -hmm. see this symbol and it'll make perfect sense. And then for me, it never does. So we look at the second beast of Revelation 13, who arises in 1798, <coughs> rises in a sparsely populated area, is youthful and rises peacefully, has no king, has Christian principles, is a worldwide power. It's the United States, of course. <gasps> oh. Of course, because the United States rose peacefully out from when there was a revolutionary war. Right, also 1798. I think that's when yeah, the Constitution right. was yeah. ratified. In the neighborhood. In, yeah, it's in the neighborhood. Yeah. Peacefully, interesting. That's a stretch. Yeah, yeah. Christian principles. Okay, maybe. Um, I'm putting chalk on our side. Yeah. All right. Uh, then he says, now listen, I'm not into conspiracy theories, <laughs> but I am into conspiracy facts. Oh, <laughs> Okay. Because <laughs> there are conspiracies, right? Like, I could conspire with Gil to rob a bank, right? And we're all like, yes, that's a real, you know, that's, that's, that's real conspiracy. That's what a conspiracy is. Yes. Yes. We wouldn't call that a real. theory, but okay. Right, those are real. So there are, like, real conspiracies to turn this into, like, a, a religiously run state. Okay. So you sort of, like, 
hanging on this one point like this isn't a conspiracy theory people were like okay fine <laughs> fine you you might be protesting too much yeah yeah okay so he says there's evidence of a collaboration between the u.s and the papacy do you guys say papacy or papacy i say papacy i say papacy oh i'm outnumbered i'm gonna switch it up i'm gonna go back and forth okay. just to confuse well you. i knew what I like you were it. talking about even though yeah thank yeah. you okay so Early pilgrims were suspicious of Catholicism. Well, because they were the good guys. They were suspicious mm. of Catholicism and every other religion that was not their own. <laughs> mm, <laughs> right. Right. People used to be scared of Catholics and call the Pope the Antichrist, and that was good. In the good old days. Yeah. <laughs> but now, people are all tolerant of them, and that's bad. But come on, dude. They're not that powerful anymore. Right. But they are, according to him, because of the conspiracy. I think right. we are farther- the conspiracy facts. We are farther now from Sunday law than we've ever been. Oh, 100%. There, if you tried to make a Sunday law, everyone would be like, "What? what is this bill? Ellen White's golden cause is just slipping farther and farther away from any kind of reality. No one is I, interested in I that. agree completely, but they because it's a conspiracy theory, you know, it's just but like wait, every other conspiracy theory where it's all going to be sprung fact. on you at once. Yeah, he, he told us it's not a conspiracy theory, a conspiracy though. Fact. I, I understand that, Jim. That's a common misunderstanding. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the popes work together with our presidents and our presidents keep meeting popes you guys yes yeah, sorry Do you know is, how bad that is this is total conspiracy theory yes this is ridiculous no 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 no, no. this is conspiracy facts <laughs> our presidents keep meeting popes the pope even gave obama an encyclical and that encyclical called for an international power that oversees money and ethics they also meet with the dalai lama it, ross that doesn't matter <laughs> okay now okay pope francis Obama met him, and Obama said it was inspiring. <laughs> Can you imagine? The Pope helped negotiate our reconciliation with Cuba. Ah, oh, that was bad. I'm, I, I mean, if if Obama turned away from his meeting, he said, you know what? I actually identify as a Roman Catholic now. Then I'd be like, all right, you totally have a point. Right, right. Inspiring? No. Yeah. That's like a really nice if thing to say. It I would even say that. Inspiring. Yes. Inspired to do what? That might even be like a euphemistic thing I would say if I met with the Pope. I'd yeah, be like, sure. Yeah, it was inspiring. It was inspiring. Yeah. Really touching. Very nice <laughs> moment. The Catholic Charities Dinner is one place the two candidates meet outside of debates. Oh my God. So he goes on to say the church and state separation is crucial. Great. Agree. And he says a country that doesn't respect your religious freedom will take away your other rights as well. Okay. Fine. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then he starts to say, our country was founded on these religious freedom principles and goes into the founding of our country. And, you know, in England, they didn't have this freedom. And here we do. And then he starts comparing us to modern day England, hmm. which is more secular than we are. I mean, not officially, but like their actual makeup is more secular than yes, ours. Right. So I started to feel like, well, this is kind of ironic. They're not pushing any theocracy on their people. It just it officially yeah, has a it's, church. But. It's funny in America where there's a free market of religion, religion does much better because they have to be compelling to get support. Mm -hmm. I just read recently in England for the first time, self-identified non-religious people outnumber self-identified Christians. Oh, yeah, I believe it. Of all stripes. Yeah. We heard a very long, boring Ellen White passage. Boy, that woman is a boring writer. Oh, no kidding. <sighs> I've been reading The Great Controversy, and she can take one line of text from the Bible 
or from something she read in a historical account and turn it into two pages of just her own interpretation of what the people were thinking and what they were trying to accomplish. And it's treated as prophetic, of course. Well, it is. (laughs) She was a prophetess. Now, did they ever use the word prophetess in the lectures? I feel like they just call her a prophet. I think so. Because he went through a number of prophets and what makes a prophet a prophet. And then it was important to point out that women can be prophets too. And he used this very generic example of somebody had two daughters Mm. who were able to prophesy. So women can be prophets, which I didn't think was controversial. Right. Right. Yeah, I don't think there were any really notable prophets who were women. Okay. But yeah, I guess it is worth saying when the Bible does very clearly, Paul says, you know, women should not be... Shouldn't teach in front of men. Right. Okay. So it's a fair point. Yeah. So our next talk was God's plan of salvation, also called God's GPS. Ooh. Ooh. Get it? Like GPS? Yeah. Praise Jeepus. And so, Jim, you came to this one an hour late. Tisk tisk. Jim, what you, you thought doing? it was and, at six, but it was at seven. Okay. And had they actually started by the yeah. time I arrived? Yeah. Okay. Actually, I have your Jim arrives at seven oh nine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Carrie, love keeps no record of wrongs. Oh, I'm not love. I'm sorry. <laughs> Continue. This was uh, February 4th. So apparently, I'm reading this over and I'm noticing a strong strain of paranoia at this point. The first like half of my page of notes are like, they're on to me. This person's looking at me and this person has a name tag on and this person's looking at me. And they totally did not It seems like we reached that point. With a lot of our investigations at some point, like they're onto us. They know. They yeah, know they it's know. us. This, there was a guy named Luther, apparently. I don't even really remember this, but apparently there was a guy named Luther with a name tag who kept like looking at me. And I'm reading so much into this. I'm like, Luther turned around and looked at me. He made direct eye contact. Now, Carrie, would you say this is a conspiracy theory? No, this is a conspiracy fact. Okay. After about half of a page of me freaking out about Luther, let's see what happens. <laughs> So David says that we've all been given a new light in this seminar and asks if we're going to share it with others. And then Mm. I note that David's suit is too big. So I think my mind is starting (laughs) to wander a little at this point. Sounds like I missed a lot in that first hour. (laughs) (laughs) It's really too bad. One guy was looking at me. David's suit was too big. There was probably a topic. Then Jim arrives. Um, Typical. Yeah, I remember you saying something about how it's kind of convenient that that I was leaving when I was. Had we released an episode at that point? I think maybe. I think you had. I think we did. That's it. And that's why. Yeah. I went to one the same day that we released that episode. That was my last one. So the chances of anyone having found out about it were very small. Uh-huh. And then you were like, oh, great. Now you're sending me. And, oh, into the lion's den. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so very likely someone has found out and called Amazing Facts and said like, hey, oh, right. there's these and two people. And this guy with a name tag shows up and there's never been anyone with name tags. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. There is my paranoia. I'm going ch- to chalk up one for Carrie. <laughs> Because I do, I do not remember you saying anything to me like, I think they're on to me. Uh-huh. Or what's up with that guy, Luther? Right, sure. And I think the name tags were because it was Saturday. Oh, okay. So we're still talking about how Catholics are changing everything from Saturday to Sunday. And I wrote, we get it. This was the last lecture? Nope. Okay. <laughs> you think so? Okay. Oh, yeah. He told a story about a friend of his whose dad was Catholic and his friend's dad said that the best moment of his life was meeting the Pope. And David turns to all of us and he's like, can you believe that? 
the best moment of my life was accepting Jesus. <sighs> wow. Okay, and he said okay. he would be excited if he met the current head of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, but it wouldn't rank. Right, but it wouldn't be the most no. exciting I really thing. want to see what would happen if David met the Pope. <laughs> what would yeah. he do? Yeah. Would he be civil? Or would he treat him like, you know, the... The Antichrist. <laughs> right. Well, because I did, I asked him after some of the lectures about Catholicism. Because they, they emphasize that it is not individual Catholic right. people who make up the Antichrist. But it's, right. it's the, the organization. So I asked him, does that mean that... Everyone from a monk or a nun to a parish I priest. I was discussing this with Ross earlier, yeah. yeah to the Pope. It's a good th question. That they are all in on it. Yeah. Or at what point are you in on it? Yeah, great. And what do you say? He was very noncommittal, but the people at the top definitely no. totally know. Oh, so the Pope mm. knows. The Pope knows. Okay. And Evil. I think the, the College of Cardinals knows. They're all moving the levers of the world. and Like Illuminati shit. That's exactly what it is. It's that. It's the same anti-Semitic thing, but it's just replacing it with right. Catholicism. They're all doing the same thing. They're all trying to take over the world. It's the same thing. Wow, cool. Anyway, okay. in the 1500s, <laughs> Meanwhile, God raised up John Calvin... And he brought back incense in the presbytery. That was very important. Okay. In the 1600s, the Baptists brought back real baptism. Now, in both of those cases, those groups were treated like cults. Mm. In the 1700s, the Methodists brought back light. Methods. They brought back missionaries and light, and, and they were treated like cults. They were. And I think it's important to note that they go through all these really important Reformation characters, but never Henry VIII, one of the most important people in the Reformation, mm -hmm. mm. who created the Anglican Church, mm. which is what the pilgrims were fleeing. So they never mention him because he's a state-run church. He okay, so, he's not useful to So them. you think he would be part of that faith tradition? Well, he's, he's one of the most important personalities in the Reformation. Mm. I mean, he brought Protestantism to the English-speaking world. Maybe they just can't tie any particular faith development to him other than like divorce being okay well being anti-catholic i mean getting breaking away from the catholic church er, i'm gonna chalk up one for henry the eighth yes uh. so yeah divorce but also you know he literally brought protestantism to the english speaking world which is so you, and that cool song oh i'm henry the eighth oh yes yes but you're saying that he's probably too awkward or uncomfortable for them to mention yes because like murder and stuff murder and theocracy, theocracy. and church and state yeah. and but he was he's a vitally important part of mm. the development of protestantism and luther was a fierce yeah. anti-semite but that's okay and it's drunk well and i think the germans hands are not free i think that there were catholics who were persecuted once germany became lutheran hmm. listen i'm still reading this all right timeline <laughs> the 1800s the seventh day adventists finally restore the remaining peace the sabbath whoa oh there we go they are the church of the remnant so he says i'm not putting down any groups they've brought us to where we are and then he says i am merely recommending <laughs> that we all take the advice of this one Catholic priest. Uh -huh. And he shows this like clip from a Catholic priest who's saying, listen, if you really want to follow the scripture as it's written, mm -hmm. we should all become Seventh-day Adventists. And he says, so Seventh-day Adventists are still considered a cult by a lot of people. And as you can see, truth bringers often are. I see. So a little sensitive about the cult designation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he says we're all 
we're the enlightened ones now. We're the ones who know the truth. Uh, and then he refers to us as Adventists. Oh, okay. Um, Jesus is coming back soon. It, oh, it is so near. Do you know what the Seventh-day Adventist message is today? It's get into the ark before it rains. Then okay. We, we all get free copies of The Great Controversy. He reads us a very boring excerpt. Oh, wait. They gave you copies of The Great Controversy? <laughs> not mm -hmm. the good one. Okay. Yeah, not the beautiful one you have. Just like a paperback one. Gotcha. I looked around and counted jewelry on women. Found one woman with a lot of jewelry. Hmm. That's neither here nor there. Then he says, okay, stand as we pray. Stand if you want to be part of this end times movement. And Jim and I just sit there. Because we don't want to be part of the end times movement. But a bunch of people stand. And David just looks at us like so confused. Just like, what do I have to do? Aww. How do I make this happen? And what have I not said? Yeah, yes, exactly. Was this the copy of Great Controversy he gave you? Yes. I think this is the one you gave me that you got by mail. Right. But then oh, I got I, I got a big fancy mine. one eventually. Yes, I, we both did. Mine looks slightly different from that and it's thicker. Oh. Yeah. That looks yeah. like a page of your notes in there. <laughs> but uh, very densely very, packed very dense. that page <laughs> oh yeah so first he asked for new people to come forward which was like obviously oh, angled at us oh, so and only one person came forward oh, no. and then finally he was like okay if anyone wants to rededicate yourselves come forward and then like the whole room besides us comes oh, forward so uncomfortable and they all knelt and prayed and uh, okay the one person who stood up was a woman I don't recall. Because there, there was a woman there who, there was more than one altar call. And it was yes. probably this first one where we were there together. And she stood up right away. And then nobody oh, for no. a long, long, <laughs> long, long time. And he oh. kept yeah. asking. Oh, no. And it was so uncomfortable. And... <laughs> You know, I was tempted just to make yeah. it end. Yeah, yeah, right. But it, it... How many people have been saved for that reason? Yeah, there right. There probably what? have been. I mean, I have never been at Quote, anything unquote, where saved. there's there's an altar call but, I that mean, way. That is a strong social force Yeah, that I think we have a particular strength against. But mm -hmm. even so, we feel that. Yeah. yeah. At Tony Alamo Christian Ministries, they've mastered <gasps> just grabbing you and bringing you, you to the You don't even altar. get the option. They yeah. come and they hook you by the arm. Like and they put their arm you. around you. Okay. You would have to be like, no. Like a like think, a bad dog. Because there was just there was really a sense of desperation. And I and I didn't and, feel at all contradictory or bad about that instance because like, well, you took my decision making away. Right. Right. Yep. But here it was I think partly because he was literally preaching to the choir mm -hmm. for the most part. Mm -hmm. So they were all already saved or already saved. I'm sure everyone's eyes were laser like on you two. Oh yeah. Well I, well actually I, I don't that. know. I didn't feel that. I oh, think okay. I think Dave's were but I think you know everyone's backs were sort of to us and we were in the back. So I don't okay. know that anyone yeah. else could okay. have been looking and, at us. But I do think there was like the other people were probably thinking oh dave's waiting for them and, I, I think that was probably and i heads. bet like he's been praying with nina every night yeah. about us well and i think i mean he he definitely looked at us but i yeah. think he got the sense this isn't gonna happen mm. you know right just looking at us and it's like we're not coming up but it just went on and on and yeah. there was a sense that mm. i've been doing this for a month and a half here yeah and 
all I get is this one person and it was yeah I can see that yeah what do I have to say to you all why mm-hmm. have you been coming to yeah. these right I didn't feel specific pressure on us I mean I think he, I did <laughs> I think I think he looked and he saw that that we weren't budging and saw no conflict in our faces but and he was just and he was looking just like sublime yes happiness. oh they're not even conflicted about yeah. it but just you know looking around the room and anyone and it just it went on and there was a second altar call when you guys weren't there that also was long but not nearly as long as this well one. there was a second one that i have down here that i think i was th- i think you just blocked me out maybe Jim. maybe <laughs> since i didn't take notes i don't know it's like which day yeah, was yeah, which no, person totally. there oh maybe we don't blame you at zone all the way like keanu reeves gets in the zone right yeah okay so then day and night and there was the next day is this the final day finally i think so is this the ultimate lecture? Well, the penultimate? The end? So there was one on Sunday. I thought it ended one day earlier than Well, so this was the last this is the last official thing, but then the next day there were Was um, the review. No, there were people's testimonies. Oh, this thing drags on in so many ways. Yeah, yeah, so this was the last official lecture, but then they said, but if you want to go back tomorrow, we'll be giving our testimonies, and I was going to be out of town. But so th- this is the last one you have notes on? This is the last one I have notes on, and it's the last official lecture. Okay. It was Everything. the third saddest story of the Bible. The third saddest story in the Bible. Can you tell me the other two? No. Okay. okay yeah. <laughs> All right. Like- oh, so the one you were just telling us about, that would have been America and Bible Prophecy. Yes. I'm guessing. Okay. So we still have the blueprint, Earth's final movie, the third saddest story in the Bible, and from prosecutor to preacher, Dave's own testimony. Yes. Right. Dave's own testimony, he kind of doesn't count as part of the seminar. Right. We were all told that would be a week later, and I couldn't make that one either. I was really bummed about it. Well, you were both in Chicago. For maximum fun. Very, very fun day. Woohoo. So the Earth movie thing. The Earth's final blueprint. That's that's the overview of the entire thing. Did you go to that? I did. Oh, how was it? It was... More of the same. I mean, okay. it was designed to be the same. The uh-huh. It was an overview of everything oh, we had learned. Yeah, already. and they told us if you need to bring someone and they haven't been to everything, that's bring the them time to, this to bring one. them. This, yeah. is, this is the most important. They really one hyped it that tells one, you everything. and I was yeah. bummed I couldn't be there. You missed nothing. Oh, it was literally <laughs> just a recap of everything we had already done. Oh, so maybe we should have just gone to that one. Maybe, <laughs> 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 or we could have just given that one, and this yeah. would have been a one episode deal. Wouldn't have that been interesting. But the third had a story, and we. Okay. I know. Yeah. So here's what I theorize. I <laughs> okay. think the first saddest story is Jesus's death and sacrifice. Okay. But maybe that's a happy story. I don't know. I don't right? know either. It's yeah. the good news. It's, it uh, is. The second saddest story is the fall, maybe. So we're all speculating here. He actually titles a talk <laughs> the third saddest story in the Bible and doesn't tell you what I the first and second are. Yeah, yeah I didn't. No, there was there there was no clear ranking. We we've, we've got to ask David this. We, yeah. Yes. Although now I'm trying to remember what even the third. One I don't is. know let's either. I can't. The, let's see if it's in my notes. Okay. <laughs> so we had a ten minute break between the first and the second talk. We got some water. Okay. So we learned that the Bible Bible is actually an acronym. Did you know that? Oh, no. It stands for <laughs> Basic Instructions Before, before Leaving Earth. Earth. I've heard this before, yes. Mm. Now, was that from Dave? I think it was from Lowell. Okay. It sounds I, like a Lowell. It does, so. yes. So David tells us that ordering one of these seminars is about $12,000. 
So that's what wow. the group pulled together to bring him there. What, what the group that paid church. amazing facts to bring him in. Right. Doesn't mean he pockets $12,000. That is an amazing fact. Okay, so <laughs> this great quote from Dave. He said, you know why I'm a Christian today instead of a Buddhist? Because Buddha said of his own admission that he had to study for seven years to learn the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. Amen. Really? And I wrote down, wow, we're built differently, David. And those are the only two options. Right. Christian and Buddhism. Right. Yeah. Wow. But also, like, you're supposed to value someone who thinks they have the truth without any study or... Yeah. Who just look, boldly proclaims by fiat that yeah. I am the truth. And and it sounds like a uh, post-talk rationalization rather than, like, let's compare these two. I don't think he ever drew up a chart. Right. Withstanding before Buddhism and Christianity and was like, what shall I do? <laughs> right. Okay. So he says, Pontius Pilate is the star of our story today. Ooh. He says, Pontius Pilate had all these opportunities to make the right decision decision but he didn't do it i think we know where this is going hmm. um says that the devil's greatest tactic what do you think it is i was there and i don't remember yeah devil's greatest tactic you know why you don't remember because you've delayed <laughs> the devil's greatest tactic is delay okay. oh. if you don't make a decision when the decision is before you it just goes away well if Pilate hadn't done what he did, we'd all be kind of screwed, right? Yeah. Also, Pilate didn't really delay. He just went ahead and did it. He tried multiple times to free Jesus. And then finally, he's like, all right, you guys want to kill Jesus? I'm going to wash yeah, my hands ahead. of this. Here yeah. you go. Yeah, that's just really add up. But anyway, so David reads a quote. He who doesn't understand your silences will not understand your words. Okay. I don't know what that means. Huh. So he says, you, you remember that holiday in the first night? It's gotten slimmer. Truth is never popular. So now I think we're supposed to be putting together, we're like Pontius Pilate. We have the decision to deny or accept Jesus. Mm, and please stand up for the altar call tonight. <laughs> yeah. Please, <laughs> Do please not delay. for the love of God, literally, if you If you delay this decision, you're being like Pontius Pilate. I hope you're picking up what I'm laying down. I'm <laughs> David. Thank you. There was a guy named Keith who came to these talks. He was compelled to leave the Lutheran church and join the Seventh-day Adventists, but he was struggling. He came up to David at one point and said that he was struggling. He hadn't made a decision. And David told him that staying in the Lutheran church would be living a lie. Whoa. It's really intense, David. People who choose not to go to these seminars, they're making important judgments, and Satan will use clever ways to distract them, like skiing. <laughs> he did not mention skiing. <laughs> no, he just said clever ways to distract them, and I wrote, yeah, Ross. Oh, well. <laughs> A trip I'd planned long before this ever happened. Oh, wow. Isn't that clever of Satan? It was Dude. also clever of Satan to have Dave not tell us how many lectures there were at the beginning. <laughs> I, I was going to say, uh, we're going to talk about delaying things. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. That's a good point. I want to look at thine self. <laughs> okay. So then we're just getting this like really hard long sell on how we need to follow this call and get serious now. And it just becomes like this broken record where it's just like, okay, we get it. So finally, Nina sings a song about us taking a step <laughs> toward the Savior. It's literally a song about taking a step. Do you understand what I mean? <laughs> it is a literal step down this aisle way here. Uh, <laughs> open the door. Oh, he wants to come in. The piano is still playing. And David says, there's a spiritual battle. And Jesus <laughs> is calling for soldiers. 
Jesus wants you to be part of his end time flock, his remnant people who wants to stand and say, yes, I want to be part of your remnant church, the Seventh-day Adventist church. Who wants to literally stand? Yeah. (laughs) We tried subtlety. It did not work. (laughs) And then he says, I gave my life to Jesus on a dance floor called The Rave. What? What? That feels out of nowhere. And he says, after everything you've learned, how could you not do this? Then Gil grabs the microphone and tells a story about a bridge. He's begging people to stand. He says, you know, you want to go over that bridge. He says, I'm looking out at you. I'm looking out at all of you. And he looks like so, again, like confused. He says, if you're having a struggle tonight, there's a war between the devil and your soul. So about 10 people stand, but like a lot of them don't seem to be new. And they all stand for like quite some time and they continue to do their altar call, do their altar call, do their altar call. Jim and I are sitting there politely watching them. (laughs) Finally, they accept it. Like this is... This is the sum total we're going to get and pray with them. And that was it. Well, first of all, the third saddest story in the Bible is the story of Pontius Pilate. Oh, Oh, right. Okay. Yes. Okay. I still don't know what the first two are. We're not told what the first two were. We were not given the ranking. Okay. Um, And then I believe it was at this altar call that the crazy guy in the gold suit, the chiropractor guy. Yeah. Old white man. He popped up right away. And was rejected by Dave. <gasps> I didn't see that. Yeah, he's, he stood up and Dave is like, we want new people. <gasps> so it was like, well, that was inviting. Wow. Wow, that just seems like bad optics. Like, yeah. don't push anyone away. Right. Yeah. Just even if, but even he, if not to But he clearly, anyone. I mean, this guy was a troublemaker and he right. didn't want that. So he, he's like, we wow. want people who are giving themselves for the first time. Oh, man. But then... Like the first altar call, the circle got wider and wider. It's like, well, if you want to rededicate yourself, okay, now you, you can, want to. Yeah. Now yes. you can come okay, now yeah. you gold suit guy. That that was the end of my Amazing Facts journey, except for um, some reading I'll tell you about. I'm going to interrupt here real quick just to say that I'm, I'm guessing people will listen to this episode and say, boy, I wish they'd gone on more about Amazing Facts. Probably. If only I had more audio entertainment in my life. Well, did you know that Oh No, Ross and Carrie is supported by Audible? Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audio programs from leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, magazine and newspaper publishers, and business information providers. Audible content is downloaded and played back on your smartphone, portable device, or your PC. This comes at a good time. I happen to listen to books on Audible. It's a great way to keep my reading up because I can read physical books i can read ebooks but also when i'm in the car i can listen to audiobooks yeah you just bought a bunch of them i just got what everybody is saying and it's an ex fbi agent sharing tips about reading body language oh cool i also got the outsider test for faith how to know which religion is true oh okay i've been wanting to read that Perfect. one for a long time i also got the professor and the madman by simon winchester Really interesting sounding story about the creation of the Oxford English Dictionary. There were two men remotely collaborating. One was a professor and the other one, it turns out, was a convicted murderer who was writing from an asylum or jail. Whoa. And Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. So those are the books that I'm going to be listening to in the near future. My goodness. Well, that comes at a great time, Ross, because Audible is offering Ono, Ross, and Carrie listeners a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash Ono. And browse their unmatched selection of audio programs. You download a free title and start listening. It's that easy. 
So go to audible.com slash ono. That's audible.com slash O-H-N-O and get started today. So tell us about the testimony. Okay. The, the following Saturday, you and Carrie were both in Chicago and... I trudged back to the church uh-huh. in Burbank while <laughs> like you were a, having fun. Like Thank the you, trooper Jim. you are. To hear attorney David Stewart's uh, testimony about how he came to be where he is. Because he was raised as a Seventh-day Adventist. Right. But his parents divorced. You know, he had a whole life that is interesting, but it was, uh-huh. you know, not necessarily pertinent to our story here. But he, you know, his parents divorced and he lived with uh, his father, I believe. And sort of drifted away from the church and went to school and was in a fraternity or at least acted like he was in a fraternity. And it was all about girls and getting drunk. Mm -hmm. Is this when he was against Ellen White for a while? I think so. That will probably be... Rebellious Dave. Yes, that will be that era. His phase. Okay. And then he became an attorney and worked for many years in Riverside County as a prosecutor. Mm. Okay. But always still felt this pull, felt that there was something missing in his life. Typical tale. He was not married. Nina is his first wife. Oh, okay. So he's a longtime bachelor. Yes, he was a long-time Not to be confused bachelor. with Doug. She, I think this is her second marriage. Hmm. Okay. She had a, an abusive something. I don't know. Oh, I, I, in Ukraine. I have no details. She moved here when she was 17, and she speaks English really well. Wow. And she did not speak English at all when she moved here. Oh, okay. So... So he became an attorney, but felt this lack in his life and started becoming more and more attentive to church and going. At one point, he decided to take a leave of absence and go to Micronesia. We heard about his time in Micronesia. In dribs and drabs. Right. He was in Micronesia doing missionary work, and he did that for a year, but because he had not fully committed himself, he kept feeling the pull back to the material world. And I think he also felt like he was not making a lot of headway with Mm. the Islanders. Oh, okay. I think he was having the same experience that you have when you're in the Peace Corps or something else where you think you're going to go and change the world and then it becomes really, really hard. Or you're in Burbank and you think you can get Carrie and Jim to just stand up. Exactly. (laughs) And like getting these people to come up to an altar call. So yes, that's, that's where he was for a year and came back feeling defeated and he went back to Riverside and was working again and then he was transferred or moved up to Sacramento where he was still working as a prosecutor. I've lived there. Along the way, he hooked up with a friend of his from college. They hooked up again, and and the friend, I think, was a little more dedicated to church than Dave was at this time. But he wasn't completely in either. They were both, I think they were both bachelors and still out dating and still out partying, which led to this rave. Yes. Where Dave took ecstasy and probably some other stuff. I can't remember the details, but he said that he was walking around the rave and could literally see in people's eyes that they were possessed by the devil. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, rave Dave. Yeah. Because he was under he was the on, influence. He was on ecstasy. He was on ecstasy, he which I have never been on. I have never taken an Ill- illegal drug in my life. So I don't know what that experience is like. I keep thinking I'm... of like my fair lady, like, and where did the Dave get saved? Yes. At the rave. Yes. <laughs> At the rave. <laughs> so I'm guessing that this would be a byproduct of taking I... something mm-hmm. like that. And then. I think- we can all assume that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's hallucinating under the influence of drugs. Right. And at which point he heard Jesus talking to him and asking him why he's doing this and that he should give his life to Jesus. And he did. And wow. And so that oh my was goodness. his Dave. conversion. 
And I have heard similar stories from other people because you're at the lowest of the low. Right. Oh, you're totally on yeah. drugs and you're totally drunk, which is when you hallucinate. Yeah. But like if Buddha had come to him at that moment, would he be like, and today I'm a Buddhist? Probably, but I don't think that... I mean, I think probably not. You also have to have some established kind of history to draw from this culturally available thing to go to like francis collins telling his story of being in the woods and seeing a water frozen into three streams he's like that confirms the trinity oh yeah yeah it's that sort of story like you already <laughs> have this kind of incipiently waiting but then this weird thing happens and it cements it for you right, right. i mean had it been buddha what buddha was saying would probably not make much sense to him mm -hmm. but but here he had the entire glossary of terms and everything like ready right. to go so that was his conversion story basically and i'm like really at some point and i thought it was earlier than this but there was this 11 year old boy whose parents go to the church who wanted to be baptized and he was like give me the ecstasy well i shall see god dave asked him this is funny because dave would not recommend that for anybody right. i know yeah, yeah. it's like this was how you saw god dave let us all take ecstasy. <laughs> yes. It was a little odd, but I have heard similar conversion stories before. Yeah, and sure. That's so crazy. So this 11-year-old kid wanted to be baptized, and so Dave had him up there and asked him why he wanted to be baptized, and he said, because I want to go to heaven. Aww. That was that really sweet kid who uh, plays the trumpet? Yeah, he played the saxophone. 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 And he Such was wearing a like a Cub Scout or a Boy Scout yeah. uniform. I saw him play afterward when I went to Gil's testimony. Right. So implicit in I want to go to heaven is I don't want to go to hell. Right. Even though there is no hell. Yeah. Right. But still act like there is. Uh, no, I was I was first baptized at around that age as well. Mm -hmm. So I was baptized as an infant. I was yeah. dedicated as an infant. That's how okay. my church did it. I was baptized as an infant. I still have, sprinkling. I still Sorry. have my mm -hmm. Bible. Oh, psh, sprinkling. <laughs> doesn't even count. And I never met my godfather, ever. He was what? not even at my baptism. That's a bad godfather. It was a bad godfather. I never, ever met him. Every We're time, calling him out. What's his name? The late <laughs> oh, no. Richard Newman. Oh, Newman. Yes, he was my dad's, he was my dad's cousin. He lived in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan mm -hmm. and Typical. was one of the only Catholics in the family, mm -hmm. in, on my dad's side of the family. And he worked on big ships out in the Great Lakes. Oh, wow. Like cool. the Edmund Fitzgerald. He was oh, wow. not on the Edmund Fitzgerald. Edmund uh -huh. Fitzgerald. I mean, he may have been at some point, but he didn't go down with it. Right. And so- People don't get enough credit who were just on that <laughs> ship earlier. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, our, our podcast is listened to by a lot of people in heaven, so okay. I'm taking him down. Every time we went to visit that part of the family in the Upper Peninsula, he was on a ship. Uh -huh. Okay. So I have, this, I have this romantic vision of my godfather, like in a peacoat. Uh -huh. on one, yeah. one foot up on a barrel. Yeah, like in the fog, on, right. on the prow of this ship. <laughs> With and the I think spyglass. Corn yeah. pipe. <laughs> yes, and I think he was just a fat old drunk guy, but you know. And then like if your parents died, you'd be sent to live on that ship. I Yes, I would be. You'd be like Pippi Longstocking. Yes. He didn't even come to my baptism. How do we get on that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, because then after his testimony, there was a baptism. Mm. It was mostly people just being re-baptized. Mm. And I have never witnessed this in person, and I'm mm. guessing both of you have. Well, Roz and I have been baptized here and there. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> But I mean, even before you started doing this podcast, I'm assuming that I've you definitely, were aware yeah, of it. seen people being baptized. 
Yeah, I've seen people be baptized, but I don't know if I've seen any rebaptisms like when I was a Christian. I had. What happened was up behind the altar, there's a tank full of uh-huh. water. Dave was standing in the tank. We had an intermission because everyone had to change into robes and mm-hmm. go back there. So Dave was standing in the tank and then people would come out and it was awkward because he wanted to say something to each of them and use the microphone so we could hear. But so also they, not be electrocuted. But also not be electrocuted. And so the mic was like on a really high wobbly stand hanging over the water Oof. and he would have to grab it and point it. It was, a, boom. It, it was a very awkward thing. You know, we didn't see the water. We could only hear the water because it was behind like a wall mm. that came up halfway. I wanted to see some splashes. Yeah, you but I, could hear I don't it. believe you about that water. Yeah. So people would come out one by one and they would hold their nose and he would dunk them in. And I think there was a couple that came out together and he did them. And then oh. this kid came out and, oh. and he baptized the kid as well. And I did ask before, like, is this a normal age for them to decide they want to? And like, well, as soon as you can sort of make the decision. Mm-hmm. They felt that he age could. of the age of knowledge. Well, I thought of him as Little Ross because he was a kid who was really into this, obviously, and he was he, he's a kid who seemed to have something on the ball. Uh-huh. Hey, I've got hope for this kid. I do, I do as well. <laughs> but Ross, yes, Ross is it? I am Ross. Did you know that Ono Ross and Carey is supported in part by Casper? Yes, they're an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. Yeah, they actually offer an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. Now, I actually got one of these mattresses. Yeah, you had it delivered to your home. Yes. You didn't have to do anything except for put in your information on a website, and then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden there's people knocking at your door, and they've got a bed, and they're going to set it up for you. Yep, it came in a big box, but not an unwieldy box. I was surprised at its size, Hmm. and then I just opened it up, and it came out. It was kind of like that episode of the Dick Van Dyke Show where she opens the... (laughs) Do you know what I'm talking about? This is a a reference for all the chilling. (laughs) And then the big... uh, a raft comes out and fills her living room. <laughs> anyway, you I, get it. I can picture it. So it features supportive memory foam for a sleep surface that's got just the right sink and yet just the right bounce. It's a risk-free trial and return policy too, which is really cool. So you can try sleeping on a Casper for 100 days with free delivery to the U.S. and Canada and there's painless return. So if you decide you don't like it, that's okay. Send it back. But you're going to like it. You're going to like it. They ship for free to the U.S. and Canada, but they are made in America. And there's a special offer for listeners of Ono, Ross, and Carrie. You can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash ono, O-H-N-O, and using promo code ONO at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. So at this point, Dave is getting ready to leave town. I missed his testimony. And I'm bummed about that. But he calls me. I've given him my cell phone number and says, hey, uh, I was really hoping I could see you before I leave town. And I said, oh, I I really want to see you, too. Let me get back to you. But I'm thinking at this time we've already released our first episode of the podcast. I want him to know the truth before like he spends time. You know, essentially, it sounded like he wanted to either close the deal uh, since he didn't see me at the last few lectures or, you know, just wants to check up on me. Either way, it, was, it seemed like it came from a really nice place. And so I text- and you had made the offer previously. Oh, yes, that's true. That I had said that you could come visit me at work. I work at Disney Animation Studios and said I could invite Carrie and Jim as well. So after he called me, I texted him and said, 
Hey Dave, I just sent you a long-winded email. When you get a chance, take a look. And I wrote him this long email that told him all about us having the podcast and this is what we do and mm-hmm. this is why we're here and we really like you guys. And if you still want anything to do with us, I'd love to have you over for lunch. So just let me know and we could talk about all these things. And so he responded to me by email and uh, it was kind of like, whoa, okay. Yeah, yeah, I still want to see you. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. And so I invited the both of you mm-hmm. uh, to come along and we we're going to meet at my work. It was this very specific time I could not make. Yeah. It was like 11 a.m. or unfortunately. something. Unfortunately. Yeah. So he came with and he, he asked like if he could bring visitors and certainly Gil and Lowell were invited and they both showed up. Jim showed up. And so it was us guys. <laughs> and so super awkward getting together <laughs> with them because now like they know Mm-hmm. We do the podcast. And, and you know they know. Right. They know you know they know. Yeah, yeah. There's so many layers of intentionality <laughs> there. I say first, well, you guys like want to tour and see the yeah. building. So we don't talk at all about religion or the show or anything at first. We just take a tour through the building. So I show them around. And I've done this tour a bunch of times with different visitors with you. And like people are usually like really stoked about this. Was he excited? Oh, they were into it. Okay, now, cool. now, I don't know if excited is the right word, but like... He was paying attention to everything and asking lots of questions. Cool. And so this tour was taking longer than the usual one just because he genuinely wanted to know all these things. So I was sharing a lot of extra information about the history. And Cool. You're into it. But it was it was strange because I got the sense that Dave had never seen any of these movies. Okay. Yeah. That will come and into play later. That makes sense. That's a good point. And yet he wanted to know every detail yes. he could about the making of it. I said, well, you seem really curious about the process. Here, let me give you a presentation that I give to our new hires and many people throughout the company like that explains our process. And so we got a review room and I pulled up the large presentation. I showed them how Zootopia was made, all the different departments and how it goes through the pipeline. Neat. And he asked a ton of questions there. And it was mostly him interacting. I would say Lowell and even Gil were mostly pretty silent. I assume Gil is much more familiar with this stuff just because he's younger and has not been in the church as long and yeah. was a kid during this era. I think you're right. Uh, so gave them that whole presentation. So it took us like an hour, essentially, just to get through that whole part. And we still haven't spoken at all about the content of the message or any of that stuff. And so then we go to lunch. And I think at this point, then Dave now wants to get to brass tacks. Uh-huh. Okay, so this podcast. And then we're thoroughly into the discussion from there on out. He has... Listen to it. Gil hasn't. Lowell hasn't. Right. But Dave has listened to it, and he now has like an encyclopedic memory of everything we've said about him and the church. Okay. And he is clearly very, well, I was going to say very sensitive to his image and his presentation's image, but I think it comes out of a place where he really cares about how he's stated things. He feels he's very carefully orchestrated things. And so he starts from a position of like apologizing, saying, you know, you didn't get your DVD that first night and I have to take blame for that. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Yeah, it starts this way. Like, because I realized like a lot of people come and you give them that and then they don't come back. And I felt like if we gave it away right at the beginning, you know, I told them not to give those out the first night. And so I want to apologize. for It's like, well, well, and part of it is when you go back and listen to the first podcast, that was a big deal. It was the start of the bait and switch Uh thing. 
And oh, that that phrasing clearly stuck in his craw. Yeah, uh-huh. it's like yeah. and okay, you say bait and switch. I mean, the reason we do that, and so he wanted to explain each and every one uh-huh. of those things that we had called a bait and switch. Uh-huh. And uh, I'd have to go back and listen, but I think also that there was a little tongue in cheek to that. I don't think of we course. really cared about getting a DVD, which I think we made clear we were, it was a joke. We we're right. having fun with it, and I think I certainly felt, and I felt listening to the first episode the sense was they just didn't have their act together uh-huh. to give them out it wasn't that it was a deliberate we're going to withhold this from you yeah uh-huh. yeah it was just that this was something that was promised and we're not organized enough to, to get it to you <laughs> uh-huh. is, is the sense i got when it happened and the sense that you were talking about it on the podcast mm-hmm. and, and so then he would comment on things like oh it was nice what you said about nina and then he would point to Gil and say, you know, oh, they, they impersonated you. And he'd point to Lowell and, oh, he says you're a real corny guy. And Lowell would be like, oh, I am corny. <laughs> I said, oh, me too. That's why I know That's why I know all these bad jokes too. Uh-huh. So yeah, it was mostly us talking to Dave and the others would chime in every now and then. And yeah, we got pretty deep into it. Uh, Dave definitely called you out, Carrie, as being like maybe less interested in the subject matter it's very boring <laughs> and and right felt, on dave <laughs> and and more irreverent yes yeah. uh-huh. that, that he felt that you were less respectful uh-huh a scoffer I yes think was yes. The term scoffer. Used. yes yes that word did get trotted out oh, i just remember you saying that and i felt bad <laughs> oh yeah but what are you gonna yeah, do yeah and and i think i had to defend kind of our show from not being a scoffing show necessarily yeah. that we are really interested in the actual claims being made and we want to dissect them right. but yeah we're having fun with it at the same time I mean, and there's also like a point of saturation right where it's we reach them at different points with different topics mm-hmm. but you know we're talking about 40 hours of material here you know mm-hmm. at some point in each talk you reach that point where you're like sure Dave yeah. you said this thing and I'm just gonna let it fly through my head like so much mumbo jumbo but yeah for each one of those comes out he really wanted to kind of defend why he thought about it and he very much to his credit wanted to get our feedback like well how do you think I could make this better how do you think I could be more honest oh well, that's great yeah so it was so clear that he really Really cares about how he comes across and that he is being honest and forthright. He's a nice guy. He is a nice guy. And, and then we got into some theological debate. And that was, I think, really fun when you have willing participants. Absolutely. And can have this discussion. Yeah, that was, I mean, the first part of it was Dave defending his show and Ross defending his show, basically. <laughs> and then we started talking about the Bible. And it's like, well, can God lift a rock bigger than, you know, and, mm-hmm. and not that. And it was but... God defending his show. Yes. <laughs> and he did say some nice things about the show as well. You know, it wasn't all condemnatory. But then I think I was convicting them on evolution. I was saying, guys, you know, you're, you're missing out <laughs> on really solid science. And then Gil jumped in and he had this whole thing about how, well, you know, it's like uh, missing t- links. tornado going through oh no someone junkyard and making yeah it was something yeah. like that it's like oh i appreciate your enthusiasm but that is so wrong sorry i jumped on you and now listeners are probably like what was that so it's this old idea that a tornado goes through a junkyard and somehow assembles a 747 and that's, aircraft that's just like saying that all of this complexity of life came from just the from, base materials on the earth right yeah and i don't i can't but remember evolution if, is not like that i can't it remember like if that. it was that one but there were all these like really obvious easy to shoot down kind of like i don't know anything about this and then him trying to say oh no i was a serious evolution 
evolutionist. Like, no, you don't. I don't have enough time to explain all of it to you. I would need a lecture series, but let me try to sum it up for you. Anyway, so so we had a really long and, and friendly conversation and debate. And it was really sweet as we were getting up. Lowell turned to me and he said, we're friends forever, right? And you were like, forever or forever, forever? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. No, I was too overcome by the sweetness of that. So we gave each other a hug and we all took a picture together out front. And in the course of all this, we offered for Dave to come on the show. Yeah. If he great. wanted to. And I first wanted us to like kind of finish our telling of this tale and so now, now is the time for us to go back to Dave and Gil and, and Lowell and see if they want to be on the show, because uh, they would certainly be welcome to, and we'd love yeah. to hear from them. I'm sure our listeners would love to hear from them. So we will follow up and see if we can make that happen. Cool. Moon has old as Right? Remember it's that? It's no Danny Better boy. sweet and strange, finding you can change, Jim. learning. I'm going to say that oh. that song did not... Deserve the Oscar. Oh, okay. What was up that year? Be Our Guest from the same motion picture. Oh, Should have won. Oh, interesting. Ah, okay. Okay, fair. Yeah, I'll buy that. So after that lunch, you told me a little bit of this, and one of the things that you told me was that you mentioned something about L. Ron Hubbard. You were saying, you know, some of the groups we investigate are clearly led by con men, and this isn't one. Like, this this isn't a group where you're, oh, like, yeah. worried about this sort of um, abuse that's built in because there's this power-hungry mongrel at the top. And he said, you know, like, L. Ron Hubbard, who's this obvious master manipulator. And right. Then, and then I guess Gil said, who's L. Ron Hubbard? And he <laughs> said, Dave was like, oh, Gil, you're embarrassing us. <laughs> <laughs> Gil had never heard of L. Ron Hubbard. That's amazing. He's young. And let's see, we had a couple other interactions. I did go to Gil's testimony, which I think was, it was going to be the following Saturday. And then his dog died and he had to drive back to, I think it was oh. Indiana. Yeah, really sad. So he drove 2,000 miles to oh, go be there. Really which sweet. has to be more expensive than flying. Right. Yeah, maybe. Just in gas and time. Oh, my goodness. hmm. Like, we learned from Gil that he goes on these monster driving trips with uh, usually a buddy with him. And, like, we'll drive for just thousands of miles and we'll go, I don't know, like 600 plus miles a day. Insane amounts of driving and just wear himself ragged. But, you know, he's young, so I guess he can still do that kind of thing. Anyway, so he drove all the way out there and then he drove back. It was really sweet of him. Just... To come give his testimony at the church, like the following Saturday. And then drove immediately back to That India. night. Wow. And so, so we came out. We were there for his testimony. I'll boil it down. And which drug was he well, on when he accepted and, Jesus? And I think <laughs> Jim and I were you there. were going to miss his testimony. Originally. Originally. And I went expecting it to be there. So one of the stories that I told happened that day. I don't know which one. Maybe it's bad. I want to hear this Maybe so bad, you guys. But you know what I really want to hear? Another show for Maximum Fun. Me too. Me three. <laughs> like this one. I'm Hal Lublin. I'm Danielle Radford. I am Michael Eagle. And we are the hosts of Tights and Fights, Maximum Fun's newest podcast dedicated to all things wrestling. We'll be talking about Sasha Banks, the women's revolution, Sasha Banks, the brand split, and Sasha Banks' wigs. And we'll also be talking about wrestler fashion. Some wrestlers wear too many clothes. Some wrestlers don't wear enough clothes at all. And I'll be doing impressions of all your favorite wrestlers. New episodes Thursdays on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, yeah, dig it. Tights and Fights Podcast. Tights and Fights.
So yeah, we were both there for Gil's testimony. It wasn't drugs. It was a car crash. He, oh. But he was on drugs. He oh, was? I yes, forgot about that. You know what? You're right. That's right. He was under the influence. <laughs> he was, it was at least alcohol. Oh, Because okay. I think what happened was he was out partying because he was a rapper. Right, Gizmo. So and he, then he woke up and realized he was late for work. Right. And he'd only been asleep for an hour or so. And because he'd gone to bed so late. Yeah, so he guy, was still real partier. drunk. Get, got up. He's like, oh, no, I'm late already. And so he gets out and he just drives like 99 miles per hour on the freeway Ooh. and has this really near miss and then spins out on the freeway and yeah, almost dies. And that's when he realizes, oh, I survived that for a purpose. Oh, wow. Okay. I asked him because it, it was not specific the way Dave's was where this is the moment mm-hmm. where right. I gave myself. It was a much slower process for him, but okay. that was sort of the start. The nexus. Yes. And then he told more about his history, showed a lot of photos growing up, and uh, it was fun to get to know Gil more there. And afterward, at the lunch they provided, he and his friend who was driving with him, they joined us at our table, and uh, yeah, we had a really nice and conversation. And then you had to leave, but then his friend gave a presentation. Yes, that's right. His friend gave his testimony. Yes, because I think Gil and his friend, who were both rappers together and converted around the same time, I think, I think they both auditioned for Amazing Facts, and they only took Gil. Oh. So his friend is starting his own ministry. Oh, cool. Interesting. So he had... Amazing conspiracies. Well, it was not amazing conspiracies. Conspiracy facts. I honestly... Remnant of the remnant. Cannot remember what it was called. It was a PowerPoint presentation that had some misspellings and, Mm. and I tried to be as nice as possible afterward and say, you know, you may want to fix these things because when people see them, Mm -hmm. they will think that you're dumb and you're Mm -hmm. not dumb, but Mm -hmm. it's obviously just a typo Mm -hmm. and you do know how to spell this word, but I think he got his twos mixed up. Uh, Uh, Okay. T-O-T-O-O and I I, I think that's what it was. Oh, and it was so awkward at the end of Gil's testimony because Lowell came up and was guilt tripping him hard about staying longer. We just want to see you next Saturday. And we really expect to see you next Saturday. And Gil saying, oh, no, I actually have to drive back. I have all these Getting responsibilities. Getting in a car this afternoon and driving to Indiana. Oof. And Gil says, oh, well, we're expecting to see you next Saturday. And it was just so like, oh, he told you. Respect what he said. Oh, and, and lay off of him. Stop guilt tripping him when there's nothing he can do about it. He's guilt tripping him. Guilt tripping. Yes, he was. <laughs> boom, boom, nice. Bam, bam, bam. When Gil's just trying to go on a Gil trip. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I felt really bad for him. I told him afterwards, like, eh, I get it. You got to go. Don't let them make you feel bad. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they did the exact same things to us many times. Oh, yeah. And uh, While we- you were all That's yeah, skiing. Swishing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we ran into them one more time because they've kept up a text conversation with us. In fact, uh, one gentleman from the church just invited us by text uh, to come this Saturday Tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow for a concert. I'm not in on the, I need to give them my phone number. Clearly. clearly. But I already had something I'm going to do with my son. So I, I said, I'm we'll making no excuse. Tomorrow. I just did not respond and let Ross respond. For what kind of, of concert? Oh, it looks like they're starting a whole new series. Oh, no. <laughs> Revisiting the week of Earth's creation. No. Boy. A musical <gasps> slash scriptural presentation. Oh. 
featuring <laughs> Luo, E Chords, and guest singers. The E Chords? Oh, <laughs> where is it? I like how you went from like the heights to the depths. <laughs> back to the heights, up. Yeah. Back to the nadir. And then, oh, now you're excited. E Chords. Where is it? Oh, it's back at the Can church. You send me the info. This Saturday at 11. Sure, I'll forward I that to go. you. Okay. okay. <laughs> so we did run into them one other time, which was really sweet. Uh, they had invited us to join them for a meal after one of their. Saturday. It may have been the last one with the testimonies. I felt like it was a different day. It may have been. We were, I might just have gotten a text or something. Yeah, you told me first. I think it was a different day, but we had gone to see Lego Batman and they were going to be meeting like right across the street from where we were for dinner. So, At a Chinese restaurant. And so after sundown, because it was a Sabbath. Yeah. So now it's technically not Sabbath. Right. And so we met up. My wife and son came along, Cara and Andrew. Uh, Jim came and joined us eventually. And oh, they love bombed us. And they were so excited Aww. to see us. And this was after all of the whole podcast thing had come out. And it was just the sweetest thing. And they wanted to heap food on us. And they'd ordered food with meat in it. And they were trying to bring the meat over. Oh. Yeah. So that was strange. I was like, oh, no, Weird. I'm vegetarian now. Thanks to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many strange. of them were aware of the podcast. I don't know how much further it went beyond. Right. Lowell, certainly. Dave was. and Lowell. Was yeah. Uh, yeah. But Dave was there? No, Dave was gone Dave by was this gone. point. Lowell oh, was gone. Okay. Lowell was there. Was he there? Yeah, he was there. Okay. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, oh, they were so excited to meet my wife. Like, oh, wow, ah. she's real. And so they were fawning over her and telling her how beautiful she is. And, and they were so excited to see my son, too. And, yeah, they kept trying to- Was she wearing jewelry? That's a good question. I don't think she was, actually. Yeah. Dodged a bullet, but, Cara. Uh, but she was paying attention. She told me about the women she saw wearing adornment. <laughs> That's my friend, Cara. <laughs> yeah, Cara's very observant of these sorts of things. And, yeah, then we ordered some food on our own so we'd have more variety of things to eat. And then they tried to pay for it and I had to like do this big wrestling thing to like give them some money and finally they accepted some money for me as long as I called it a donation to the church <laughs> oh jeez uh, yeah. as long as you call yourself a member of the remnant church we will accept your money <laughs> yeah and so Lowell was very sweet and said all these nice complimentary things and then the music director he came over and he gave us this whole pitch on his water filtration system Hmm. that uh, it was pseudoscience stuff. It was some, well, yeah, it was some sort of balance. creating alkali water and that that type of thing. Oh, okay. Right. Well, it turns out alkaline water is needed for some people. It's just like very uncommon. Unless your doctor tells you right. you should be drinking alkaline water, your yes. body does a perfectly good job of balancing out your pH right to where it should be. That's right. But it's like celiac where there are people who have that. It's just relatively rare. And he was combining this with other quote unquote technologies. He was telling us about this water system he's been installing for years and it was this awkwardly long pitch it was a pitch and sabbath was over so he could make the pitch mm -hmm. that's the sense i got that that it was inappropriate at all these other venues to mm -hmm. be pitching a business idea right right but now suddenly his bonds were released and he could do this he's like <laughs> i installed it i installed a i think it was a five thousand dollar system in dave's rv but i guess he gave him a super discount on it right. or, or maybe gave it for free but anyways he was trying to sell us on it It was really awkward because it's like all right keep going but i'm not gonna buy this <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I was a little disappointed in the whole dinner thing, mostly because we just ended up at our own table. Oh, uh-huh. So we weren't really interacting except when they came over. Not because they didn't want us, but no, the, their was, tables were full. It, yeah, yeah, just happenstance. But it was a very sweet interaction. And, yes. and yeah, that was kind of the end of our current interaction with them. Dave and I have texted back and forth a little bit, like about speaking in tongues and stuff. But uh, yeah, for now, that's kind of it for us in Amazing Facts. No, it's not. What do you got, Carrie? Oh. This here book is by 
Doug Batchelor, who's the head of Amazing Facts. Yeah, they told us about this during the lectures. Yeah, they gave this book away to a couple people, and oh. I went and ordered it. And Doug's videos are all over the Amazing Facts website. They talk about him during the lectures a few times. Uh, some of the videos that they gave out have him on it, including one that you got, Ross. You were watching earlier tonight. Oh, yeah. The one that Jim had won and given to me about Revelation and the two women. Yeah. I couldn't know if Doug Batchelor is a crazy person and a liar. I couldn't know. <laughs> but do I suspect he is? Yes. <laughs> now, you're holding the book. But your audience cannot see the book. I'm holding it for you. I know. So are you so going to tell us the title? The book is called The Richest Caveman. And we've got a shirtless man in front of a fire inside of a cave? Yes. He's holding the Bible. Is he wearing anything back there behind the fire? I think the implication is that he's got some sort of loincloth. But that picture is supposed to be a drawing of our Dougie Doo. And this is one of the best books I've read in a gosh darn long time. Yeah? It's filling my heart with butterflies as I speak of it right now. And a smile creeps across my face as I remember the journey I took with my Dougie. <laughs> so butterflies in the heart is a good thing. In the stomach, not so much. Uh, no, no. They're from my stomach to my heart. Okay. Uh, across my body to my soul, I feel a warmth and a glistening. Okay. I'll shorten what is a wonderful story that everyone should go out there and buy. Please, please read The Richest Caveman. This it's- is probably the most fervent recommendation <laughs> of The Richest Caveman the book will ever get. <laughs> So what happens? What happens? Okay, Carrie? so Doug Bachelor is raised by a very rich man, but he's not satisfied. Can you believe it? And even though he has everything that he wants. This sounds like Buddha's story. Yes, I kept thinking about that. Even though he has everything that he could ever want, he's just like a real shit kid. <laughs> And his dad keeps like sending him away to all these expensive private schools and is like, oh, I can't get Doug to behave. Please go to this private school. He keeps misbehaving and being sent back. So Doug claims that he's sent to this one school where it's just like a super hippie school where they can all just like take as many drugs as they want. Like they can smoke pot in the middle of class and just like they don't even have class, man. They can just like paint and shit instead of like going to math. And I was like, what? Where was this? school what are you making this up anyway (laughs) now what did he do to get kicked out of that school (laughs) (laughs) that school i believe i believe that school just closed shocker then he learns silva mind control uh, which is like a type of self-hypnosis where you become so in tune with yourself you guys that you can perform psychic surgery (gasps) Now, he does not deliver this as if it's some sort of pseudoscience. He literally says he was able to diagnose people and heal their cancers what? using psychic surgery. No. Yes. No, that's one, one of the few forms of pseudoscience where like you cannot be self-fooled. Like, right. What? Well, actually, okay, I know what you're saying because usually with psychic surgery, you're removing like a fake tumor or something, Yeah, if right? you're doing that kind of extraction of blood and chicken guts or yes, whatever. Yes, that's true. I don't know that he was actually involving that side uh, of okay. hand Okay. So I'll give him some credit there. He said, um, I'll heal somebody. No, I'll diagnose and heal them. You just just tell me who you want healed and I'll do it. And then uh, his friend said, okay, well, my mom has like a problem. And he pictures her mom and he's like, oh, yeah, she has a problem like in this area and reaches down around his abdomen. And the girl's like, yeah, that's right. And he's like, 
it's it's ovarian, it's ovarian cancer, isn't it? And she's like, that's right, how did you know? And with his mind, without her mother even there, he reaches down and he like heals the cancer and the woman was fine after that. Wow. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, he tunnels through the basement underneath the kitchen of one of his schools and like steals all the food with his friends and this is how one of the schools goes bankrupt oh my goodness okay and you're probably wondering what's this got to do with the cave yeah we're not (laughs) even there yet okay so finally he decides i know what i'll do i'll move into a cave what a great way to spend my life so he he goes to a cave up above palm springs and he acts in this book like he's living in the wilderness and he's completely secluded from society and he makes his own food and all he reads is the Bible and that's how he gets saved because it's like the one book he has. So and- Dave was saved at a rave. <laughs> <laughs> Yet not a cave. <laughs> Doug was brave. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so he lives there for like a couple years. He claims there's some big news story about him, but I can't find the news story. He says mm. that like local news came out and did a feature about him. But then like he'll just offhandedly say like, oh, but then I'd walk into town and buy my groceries. You're like, well, wait, hang on. Hang on, Doug. Let's stop at that <laughs> that moment there. Yeah, that thing you just kind of glossed over. It sounds like it was a pretty easy life for you. And also, your dad, who was a millionaire that you mentioned, maybe that factors into this whole thing about you living in the cave and how you afforded groceries. And could you just walk into town and go to the dentist? Because maybe you could. (laughs) Okay, so then I happened to go to Palm Springs and... You know me, Ross. What did I do? I went and lived in the same cave. I went and lived in the cave for two (laughs) years. No. I found out that Bill Lear, the guy who- Oh, yeah, was mentioning that story. Yeah, the guy who owned Lear Jets and was very good friends with Doug Batchelor's dad- George. Lived like a mile and a half from this cave. Oh. So daddy's rich friend was like neighbors with this- Gosh darn cave. And so he probably could just walk in anytime he wanted and just <laughs> go sit by a nice fireplace. And he acts like he was some some woodsman. Spoiled brat in a cave. I mean, did he claim that he was hunting and gathering or growing crops? Because it's a desert. He Okay, so he would go into town to buy his groceries. There is an obscene number of references to bananas in this book. (laughs) And what's so weird about it is that he doesn't seem self-aware about it. He's not like, I know I'm mentioning bananas a lot. (laughs) But it'll be like, so I took a banana and I ate a banana on the road to such and such. And then I got there and I realized I was really hungry. So I ate a banana. Uh, my wife had a baby and the baby really loved bananas. And then <laughs> this happened. And, you know, I realized we had this big satchel of bananas with us. And there's like bananas litter this entire book. So, yeah, he loves bananas. It sounds bananas. So here's how he becomes a Christian. So, yeah, he was on the road to the cave once and someone asked him if he was a Christian and that like really startled him because he was into like meditation and reincarnation and the new age movement, but he'd never really like faced this question about Christianity. And then the guy gave him a Bible and so then he was like, I'm only going to read this in my cave from now on. And then only reads the Bible in his cave and then left it 
uh, when he decided to move out of the cave, he left it on a ledge in there and years later brought his son back and the Bible was still there. Allegedly. Anyway, this is the best book I've ever read. <laughs> yeah, I can see you've highlighted it yeah. extensively. Oh, yeah. So before his conversion, mm -hmm. he could heal people. Yes. Now he thinks that's bad. Okay. That was my question. So he was just using demonic powers at the time. That's kind of the implication. Okay. But yeah, now he's all over the place. Does he have special powers now? I mean, yeah, I think I think the implication is he still could do that if he wanted okay. to, but he chooses not to. All right. Also, there is a surprising dearth of photos of this man as a caveman if he was living there for like two years. Oh, okay. That's him in the cave? Because yeah, it just looks like he's wearing t-shirt and Like he's shorts. on a camping trip. You'd think if you live in a cave, you'd have like tons of interesting photos of your life there. What a character. Yeah, I love him. But they gave us so much material. We are still going through all of the different books and videos that we got as a result of this investigation. I feel like I will be delving into this material for many months to come. We've mentioned some of the booklets they gave us. You and I care. We watched Cosmic Conflict, which was that DVD that I got the second time that we showed up. And oh man, it's it's all about the battle between heaven and hell. And it shows Lucifer in heaven rebelling against God and oh it's just so bad like production quality wise it was quite a hoot yeah and I've got to say this revelation the bride the beast and Babylon much higher quality oh good I, I gotta say the production values are pretty good they had a good director of photography on that well done and uh, I've started reading the great controversy they gave us this like $65 illustrated edition at least it says on the back that it's $65 and Jim and I both got one of these yes I've been reading it on my way to work it's it's like reading a textbook yeah it looks like a textbook they have added a bunch of pictures and I've already found like a couple little typographical errors so it's clearly well-intentioned but a little slipshod and they need mm -hmm. someone who knows page layout and mm -hmm, actual mm -hmm. design it's like a lot of bolded colors and yeah. the wrong yeah. fonts. It's very difficult to read. The flow is not good. Yeah. Now, you also mentioned Little Light Studios. Yes. So, Dave, when we were at Disney, he said, now that you've explained all this Disney stuff to me, would you be open to watching a video if I had some of my friends send you a, a movie that they made? I said, well, okay, sure. What is it? It's a little studio called Little Light Studios, and they've got a film. It's about Disney. I said, okay, all right. Well, sure. Yeah, I'd be open to that. He said, you would watch it? Oh, yeah, definitely watch it. And so... It was the next week I got a mailed envelope from Little Light Studios and it had two movies in it, The Replacement Gods and Magic Kingdom. Now you can guess which one was about Disney. Magic Kingdom. Yeah. So Replacement Gods, that's one he even mentioned in the lectures. It's about how uh, all the comic book heroes that we read about and watch movies about are all replacements for gods and you know they're trying to be pseudo gods okay fine sure and so magic kingdom is a documentary about how disney in particular though they pull in clips from many different animated things that are not disney are trying to corrupt our youth and teach them really bad uh, lessons Morals. about life. And so you've watched some of this with I've me, I've watched Carrie. it all now. So it's wonderful. Carrie and I have watched this. Let's For the listener, we're going to have you just guess for a moment which film from the Disney canon they use to describe how the message of corruption has been spread to the world 
through Disney. We'll give you a few seconds. Yeah, just really commit to an answer. Pause, which Disney movie? Pause this and think. Yeah, which film do you think is really the best example of the corruption of Disney that has had the most influence? The answer is Mulan 2. <laughs> <laughs> the little known and little seen sequel to Mulan. Mulan. Direct to video. Right? Yeah, it is yeah. a direct to yes. video. Yeah, and Mulan's a great film. Uh, Here's what we theorize. They saw that Toy Story 3 had just come out, and they were like, oh, well, that was a big hit. So, I mean, this is a two. Mulan 2 probably I think they did just, just as well. I think they got super excited because maybe someone had gotten that as a gift and popped it in and been like, mm-hmm. this has a red dragon in it. Mm-hmm. And it does because originally Eddie Murphy's character in the first one, Mushu, he's a red dragon. And so in the sequel, he's played by somebody else because Eddie Murphy didn't want to do the voice again for the sequel. And so it's all the about- straight to DVD sequel. <laughs> This is they like they dissect this movie like plot point by plot point. And here's what's really crazy in Mulan 2, she doesn't want to uh submit to an arranged marriage. Yes. And their entire point is she should submit to the arranged marriage because that's the law. Yeah, they're saying that you're trying to teach children not to obey the law. But they themselves in the lectures and in their beliefs say that if the law contradicts what God says, that you are supposed to ignore the law. If there was a National Sunday law, they would want Mulan and Mulan 2 to not follow that law and follow her heart instead. Also, you're but promoting is... arranged marriage. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> that is scandalous and ridiculous. And biblical. <laughs> <laughs> So it was such poor production value, and the yes, vo- the, the audio goes up and down and insane. And then way. they'll like they'll grab a whole segment from Science Friday and use that to explain mirror neurons, and then they'll uh, go back and oh, uh, it's so uh, poorly to the point where like I have this urge when I see something done poorly, like I want to help you make it better, mm-hmm. like let me help you with your project. And so I was kept thinking like oh well I could give them this advice and maybe even kind of remix this or re-record the audio. And I'm like what am them, I saying? Let me help them criticize my employer <laughs> it, it's it's the most absurd layer of argument where they clearly understand nothing about how animated films yeah. are made and it's funny because so many people who make these films are dedicated christians uh-huh. and would not at all recognize what they're saying in their daily activities right one of my favorite things though is that there's this one montage of girls and women in Disney films and they're like look at <laughs> look at how all the women are portrayed as like really sexy and voluptuous and then they like they're like boom 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 here's a bunch of shots of female characters yeah, like Meg from Hercules, Hercules and Esmeralda but then and who then do they show and then there's suddenly Flower from Bambi who is a male character and, <laughs> and he's a skunk just, and, and a skunk and he's just batting his cute little eyes mm-hmm. and also I call Drew my boyfriend Flower because he reminds me of that character so it's like they think you're too sexy and you're like <laughs> oh it is hilarious oh, i'm just glad that i know you guys and i can borrow it oh yes. yeah well it's also available on youtube for, okay uh, and back to the great controversy for just a second yeah okay yes. if you think that's by important. ellen g white i think i must have heard it where he talked about the book and that he mentioned the spiritualist movement at mm-hmm. the time there were spiritualists with real powers and that she wrote about it in the book Oh. And she does talk about the, is it the Knox? Oh, the Fox sisters. The yes. Fox sisters. The Fox sisters are mentioned in the book. 
Favorably? And as having real as having powers. As having genuine oh, okay. powers. Right. So the Fox sisters are widely known to be fraudsters. Yeah. They yes. later admitted that they were using a system of like cracking their toe knuckles. digits. Knuckles. Yeah. Uh, to communicate from the quote unquote spirits. Uh, and then later on after that, one of them tried to re-recant and say, no, no, we were actually legit. But everybody now understands them as having been too fraudsters yeah right who helped found the spiritualist movement and but they fooled ellen white they fooled the prophetess ellen g white that says something it does we, we had also mentioned before in the podcast that she had predicted that tobacco is bad for you and we had some listeners send us earlier pre-existing treatises on the ill effects of tobacco. So that was not an idea original to her. Someone also mentioned that she may have had epilepsy. Oh, interesting. Those were the like fits she went into that were thought to be, hmm. you know, her getting messages. If she had epilepsy, it wouldn't mean anything. Maybe that's just how she got her messages. Then she returned from whatever the seizure was and claimed that she had messages. Mm -hmm. Right. I think it was like at the time, no one recognized it as epilepsy. Right. But like in retrospect, respect people are like oh she had all the earmarks of epilepsy at the time people were just saying oh she's going into these fits where she's being overtaken by spirits and now people are like now we have oh, a term these, for that these, uh, yeah exactly these all this right, just looks she, like an epileptic fit which is probably true but I don't know if epilepticks have visions she, was could, not, she could still be lying on top of having something exactly. that's totally true exactly too. well that is it for our Amazing Facts investigation up to this point. I hope you've enjoyed our many, many hours of collective experience that we, yes. ha we have shared with you. Boy, if we added up all of our time. Yes, the man hours. Yeah. Yes. And boy, oh I'm boy. just talking and about occasional the woman hours. And the caveman hours. Yes. <laughs> and boy, did it give us so much more than we ever anticipated when my wife sheepishly gave me that flyer. She's never going to hand you anything again. <laughs> She's like, I'm just burning it. <laughs> I don't even want him to <laughs> sift just, through the trash like, and find it. Kai, I haven't gotten mail in several months. She's like, I don't know. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> And thank you, Jim. Thank you. I'm just waiting to hear your uh, your rankings. Good point, Jim. We've got to rank I did this. not create this format. Yeah. This is all on you. Okay. All right. Rip through them, Ross. Okay. A pseudoscience rating where one is something not pseudoscientific like evolution by natural selection and 10 is something incredibly pseudoscientific like your hair is made out of goat sperm. Well, they don't believe in evolution. <laughs> Ding. So it's got to be up there. I feel like there's this stated in the name of the organization, like reverence for facts, uh -huh. but mm, a very yeah. loose interpretation of what facts are to a point where I feel like the ability to tell reality from non is is somewhat yeah. fudged. It, seven. Yeah, I think that's fair. I'll I'll stick with a seven, and it's a seven, I guess, that I would give any standard church. In their favor, mm -hmm. I will say that at least they they seem open to at least talking about the reasons for yeah. believing things mm -hmm. and will not just simply state things outright, but will try to back them up. And so I feel like there is some amenability there to reason. All right, I'm backing up. I'm giving them a six. All right. How about a danger rating where one is something not at all dangerous, like recording a podcast and 10 is something very dangerous, like sending out nuclear weapons? I'm going to say not very dangerous. From our experience with amazing facts, I'm going to say a two. I don't think this is too dangerous in a way that's really going to hurt your life. Uh, you'll become a vegetarian and not wear much jewelry, uh, but that's not really going to hurt anybody. And, you know, all your fever dreams about the Pope creating 
a Sunday law are never going to happen. Uh, you're just going to keep worrying about it. So uh, that's not so bad. I agree. I give it a three. I keep thinking about like the kids who aren't going to get exposed to any outside media. And I don't know, for some reason, that really freaks me out. But maybe that's more of a creepy thing. But I don't know. I just feel like, oh, this is like an easy way to get totally sequestered from all of society. If you really did it. I mean, that part of this is that I get the impression that the people we were exposed to don't live this lifestyle. I mean, they go to church, they do their thing, but they... Pick and choose the same way everybody else yeah, does. Yeah, yeah. I feel like they live David fairly normal does. Lives. Well, David lives in a camper and yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like they do kind of live this lifestyle. We, we've heard from so many people who identify as Badventists. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting term I've learned. Kind of like they're a, like our listeners. It's like a, a Jack Mormon, essentially. But I feel like there are a lot of people who consider themselves part of the fold, but they aren't as assiduous about following everything Ellen White says. Yeah, but I think they would listen to our show and not go to one of these Sure, But there are people facts. sneaking meat at the lunches. And yeah, you know, okay. it's, I just get the impression that they're, it's still Five. the most part, regular people. Five. All right. get, okay, all right, there's some danger there. All right, well, you mentioned creepiness. What would you give this on a creepiness scale where one is something not creepy, like Venetian blinds, and 10 is something very creepy, like all of your furniture and appliances grow ears, and those ears follow you around as you walk through <laughs> your room. Presumably, they're listening. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's pretty creepy. Four, three. Okay. So it registers for me, like, because of this weird, like, hang up about media. And, oh, no, wait. Oh, I forgot completely about this weird, like, papal conspiracy weirdness. That's <laughs> yeah. pretty creepy. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Um, yeah, if the Illuminati's running everything, like, that registers, right? Six. Yeah, let us not forget that this all began with end times of yeah. apocalyptic visions. Yeah. Six. Yeah, I, I'd say six, definitely. That's a, a safe category for them. Creepy, yes. Yeah, I'll give them a five. I Like, I think our just interactions with them as people, oh, I would yeah. say one. Right. Maybe two. Yeah, yeah. they're not creepy people. A- a- occasionally, you get a little overly pressured to attend things. Right. And, like, told that Satan is causing you to do that. Yes. Right. But swish, swish. But in terms of the imagery they're using talking about the end of the world, yeah, six. Sure. All right. I'll give them a six. <laughs> the, the six, six, six. That's not creepy. I don't know what is. Oh, uh, what about pocket drainer value? Uh, we're one is something not at all pocket draining. You go to Starbucks and you get a drip coffee, the cheapest thing on the menu. It's like a dollar ninety. And ten is something incredibly pocket draining. Like you go to Starbucks and you get the most expensive thing on the menu. You get like a coconut frappe thing with extra caramel and a bunch of shaving shit on top and you end up spending seven fifty on a drink when that should be a whole sandwich. I hope it's at least a venti. That's the big one, no, right? No, let's say it's just a tall. <gasps> Can you imagine? Our experience just attending, it's like a one. Mm-hmm. There was very little pressure. There was some, but there was very little pressure to donate. But if I were actually a member of the congregation and had to pony up to get amazing facts there and to rent out the hotel room. And 10% of your income. And tithing, that ends up being fairly expensive. Yeah. So from our experience, a one, but like if you're actually in it, it's, it's a five or a six, I think. I agree with that bifurcation because we got so much material handed to us for free and this very expensive thing, the bill of which was footed by others. So I give them a one. Just in terms of, you know, if you are on a budget, you can experience this entire thing and get the full experience. You know, we put a little bit more into it than that. But yeah, if you become like a a full on member, then I agree. That's going to be much heavier. I would say seven or eight at that point. Okay. I got my first donation request from them in the mail. (gasps) You did? Yep. 
Um, and it was pretty modest. It was it was asking me for like fifteen or twenty dollars or something from Amazing Facts. From Amazing Facts. Okay. And it was a soft. It was like, this is what we're doing. If you'd like to buy some books, and then the last paragraph or something was like, by the way, if you'd like to give, this is what we're asking for this month. Okay. It's not demanding soft, at soft. all. Yeah, I mean, no Peter Popoff. Oh, not at all. And you know, compared to other nonprofits I get mail from, it wasn't even as bold as some of the others. Yeah, I I'd really give them a one. Like even across the board, I don't. I think they went out of their way to not be money grubbing. Yeah, I really think so too. Yes, but even the way they did it, saying we're taking up a collection, but this is only for regular people. Mm -hmm. There was an implicit pressure that even if you're not, you should somehow contribute. I just I felt it. Okay, they didn't say it, but I felt it. It lived in the space between. If if you can't listen to someone's silences, Mm, you can't can't understand understand their their words exactly. On a hot drinks scale, thumbs up, thumbs down, hot drinks. We were given tea that we could later heat up for ourselves. Oh, that's right. It was my least favorite kind of tea. But it was a noble effort. Yeah. They didn't provide us any hot drinks. But at the hotel, I was able to sneak into a cafe nearby, like in the hotel, and buy coffee. And that was pretty sweet. Maybe maybe it's one of those sideways thumbs. Yeah, I'm going to give them sideways. Yeah. How about you? you? I'm... don't drink hot drinks, so oh, my my thumb is hooked in my belt loop. You're dead to carry. I learned something great today, though. A person who drinks hot drinks is called a thermopot. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So what was your favorite moment, Jim? My favorite moment was actually when you admitted that you were bored and I felt like I had won. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I would say my favorite moment was getting love bombed when everybody finally met my wife and son oh yeah i was really happy when i called that it was the catholic church and then it was (laughs) oh yes i was also very happy when finally i approached dave and got him to say like yeah yeah we're seventh day adventists because it was like jesus christ why don't you just say this And I think we have finally given your listeners a sense of how long this lecture series was. (laughs) Yep. Well, that's it for our show. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. Our show is produced and co-edited by Ian Kramer. Our Facebook is facebook.com forward slash onrack. Go there to find all the pictures and the posts and all the people. And you can go to Maximum Fun forward slash donate to support this and all our investigations. And also give us a positive review wherever you get podcasts. You get them from Stitcher. Give us a positive review there. iTunes there. Yeah. And remember. And remember there's no hell, so don't worry about it. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my friend's favor. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor. I'm Judge John Hodgman. You're hearing the voices of real litigants, real people who have submitted disputes to my internet court at the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I hear their cases. I ask them questions. They're good ones. And then I tell them who's right and who's wrong. Thanks to Judge John Hodgman's ruling... My dad has been forced to retire one of the worst dad jokes of all time. Instead of cutting his own hair with a floby, my husband has his hair cut professionally. I have to join a community theater group. And my wife has stopped bringing home wild animals. It's the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Find it every Wednesday at MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts.
Thanks, Judge John Hodgman. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.